Two things. If the dog starts going nuts, I'm going to mute myself and go out and throw the ball for him because he has hip dysplasia. And if I throw it three times, he's exhausted and won't move the rest of the night. <laughs> Whenever Leo gets home, I'll probably have to mute it because I didn't tell him I was even going on here tonight. So, Good uh, question. Ooh. What happens if all these yeah. things occur simultaneously? <laughs> <laughs> Not to worry. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't have enough milk to make a real grasshopper, so this has a bit more creme de mince. Oh, God. It's going to be me and the drunk one. That's all that's going to be left of <laughs> <laughs> I'll still be here. You'll still be here. That's death. Death is strange and bizarre. No, it's not. Death this, is like not strange and bizarre at all. <laughs> the one is, thing this in this is. world that's not strange and bizarre is death. And death has gas. All right. <laughs> so that means that the uh, text message bad. I sent you today that said I'm not going to be here tonight. Got it at 5.30 today. <laughs> oh, Scott wants in. What is the hell? Let's get <laughs> Yay! Now, he still lives in Canada, correct? Because we can't give him yes, any nationality. Just moved. He moved to a different part of Canada. Let's see if that part has Wi-Fi. Scott? Hi, Scott! Hi! Hi, Scott! Now, you've moved since we last spoke. Mm-hmm. I have. And now, how is the Wi-Fi at the new locale? So far as we can tell, it's good. He sounds really yeah, good. You sound, sound like good. a completely different person. I didn't know your voice sounded like that. <laughs> <laughs> You did awesome on the master fix, Scott, with all those different voices. You were wonderful. Applause. Applause. Can I say my favorite continues to be... Albus, of course they're not going into the Forbidden Forest, you git. They're not playing in the bluff. They've dared to play stalkers. Naked. Nude. Now do you see my problem? Never. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) I liked... Me made them better. Ugh, get a room. Do you want to walk me home? Because I should go to bed soon. I'll walk you. Bye. 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 I, I like I like Mike as Hermione. Or was it Hermione? Is he, I didn't even understand. Mike, no, it was Mike as Jen is Jen. It was Mike as Jen is Jen. I was going to say, why did he do a southern accent? Sounds like he's about to explode. Well, he, it sounds like he was just trying to say things differently. He's like, this here's Jen, and I'm by introducing Harry Potter and the power of emotion by the one and only Melinda Leo. Melinda Leo. I'm like, Leo? Like, that's not Southern. Like, and he's like, Harry, hey. I swear. Oh, Harry, it isn't your fault. Hey, oh. <laughs> exactly. It was like, the hell? Can we somehow incorporate Master Fick Theater into the Book Exchange? Sure. sure. Can we do, like... Well, here's the interesting thing. Can Pufa Exchange cover Harry Potter? We have to when the next movies comes out. Well, Potterfic Weekly will still exist, is the thing, though. So Sue can have us over. I want to do do Master Fick style productions of the things we cover. Even if, like, Sue and the the peons didn't want to do Potterfic Weekly and we, like, ended in six episodes or whatever, when the new movie came out, we would still come back and do, like, a special. I mean... It would be like a reunion special. Oh, my God. It can be, like, the Growing Pains reunion where Tracy Gold has a waistline. Like, we can just do the whole thing. Did you see they announced the park opens June 18th? I saw yes. it. 
I want to get to meet face to face encounters, Ron, Harry, and Hermione. I want to watch the video you said. Well, I saw the thing where they said, you know, you can experience what it's really like to, you know, witness it's a mentor encounter. And all I like a picture is they just yep. turn the air conditioning on you. <laughs> but I'm, I'm trying to picture that. But then it's like, um, the oh, they're part- not actually going to suck out your soul. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like I'm dropping it. Ru- ruin the experience. <laughs> yeah, the first day, six people have died. They've closed the Harry Potter. <laughs> they will, however, <laughs> suck your wallet. <laughs> yeah. Not to suck your wallet. Yeah. The thing I liked is they moved um, Ollivanders to Hogsmeade, but they asked J.K. Rowling's permission. I'm like, what's she going to say? No. Like, you have to build Diagon Alley, too. I would yes. totally do that if my stories were adapted for a theme park. I would be canon compliant. It's like the satellite office so, or whatever. It's a porky storefront. Yeah. <laughs> really, it's still in Diagon Alley, but you well, can get there from Maybe Ollivander after the Warwind franchise. Yeah, yeah. Well, I read this fic one point one where there were entrances to Gringotts all over the world, but it was the yes, same Gringotts I've tunnels. <laughs> it's like the, well, the thing I really liked. Um, I'm watching Lost, and I don't want to spoil anyone. I'm on. I just started season three. They visit a village. One of the of the castaways is is, is paraded through the village, and it's like teepees and like hot like that dude. Stuff. That dude, whatever with his name, all weird backwards. Said the man. No, the man that Mark in your recommendation. What was that, Ethan? Was it Ethan? Isn't that an anagram? His name or something like that? It spells like yeah. death backwards. That's Nathan, I'm thinking of that Go story we, we talked. No, about. you're thinking of jo- of of the soul of the hero. Yes. That's okay. Right. That would that yeah. would not be lost. Joe did not write lost. At the end of the episode, he comes back to like attack the village and it's deserted, and he opens like all the doors and they're all like storefronts. Like it's not like a real village. It was just there for his benefit. So I think that'd be kind of cool if like we built like this entire village. And stuff you realize that's what the Harry Potter theme park is. None of it's real, right? Well, I understand that, but there's some stuff. <laughs> Harry Potter isn't real. Wait. <gasps> well, no, some of it will be. Like, like all of Andrews, you can go in and you can. Oh, I thought, I thought it would just Santa be like horse, you know, like no, hard no. Is supposed You to think be I'm like flying 1,500 miles to look at so, Santa is yeah, real, and his name town. is Ron Weasley. Yes. Okay. Was that a line in here? It was like, yeah, I, yeah it's like, I know when you're sleeping, you're sleeping and I know, I when, know you're when you're awake. <laughs> I know if you've been bad or good. <laughs> Ron Weasley, date rapist. Is, uh, <laughs> it's kind of good. All right, why don't we get started? Oh, I hate him? to say it. Scott, you still here? Yep. Scott, that's new! <laughs> <laughs> Usually after five minutes, I train myself to go let you back in. to the wonder of that world through many pens and we'll never let go of all the ones we've made our friends and they'll say it's only a podcast but we know it's much more than that a community all of its own where we even have our own sorting hat where the hosts are all our friends and the stall is told by Jen we'll always laugh before the end part of it we please where the story never ends. Am 
I'm Sue. I'm Scott. I'm Melinda. And Jethro's in there too. But Jethro, as as, as he sounds, well, he has gas. But the problem <laughs> is, earlier I have today, gas in the car, Jethro had no gas because I wake up in the morning to messages from Jethro on my cell phone, no gas, and I have to piece together what happened over the like. So, you, oh come on, the text was way more involved in that. I believe it was oh, something yeah, on the order of Poofwa strikes longest, again. It was well, the you spelled Poofwa wrong. So, yeah, that is the official spelling. So saith the book in the Harry Potter exhibit. That is true, but I bought the URL and I didn't put an H in it. Oh god, someone should buy poofwa.com and have it be like an alternate site. It could be like whitehouse.com and it used to sell porn and all that crap. So this morning, you're driving to work and not so much. Well, I was listening to episode 98, which is the episode recorded the last <laughs> time I ran out of gas. You're listening I- to Perfect <laughs> Weekly as your car slows to a halt I- in the morning. I could not be involved in that episode because I ran out of gas on the way home from work and I had a big long adventure. Go listen to episode 98. 98. It's really a hoot. Anyway, have, I'm listening to this. Did you have swine flu, possibly, at the time? I remember you had swine flu during that. Is that possible? No, no, that wasn't me. That was a friend of mine that I called to see if she could pick me up and give me a ride to the gas station. Oh, I made that. I got that one wrong. Okay, carry on. Um, so I feel the car just shake, and I go, oh, no. I look down at the gas gauge, and I go, oh, no. And of course I'm in the left lane, so I have to get in the middle lane, and then I have to get in the right lane, and the car is slowing down all this time, and I can feel it shaking and and bucking, and I finally get over into the breakdown lane, and the car dies, and I just sort of coast for the last few hundred feet. Coast to a stop, and as the car is slowing down, I'm picking up the phone, calling AAA, hello, yes... Please send the gas man. That would be funny if you were actually texting me as the car slowed to a halt. Like, of all the possible running people you could call. Running out of gas. Like, car... running out of gas. <laughs> Run out of it could gas. Be, it, could be like a tweet. it could be like a tweet. Like, I don't think. I've never you're broken down. See, this tells us you should put gas in your car because it's saying clearly that distance from your house, too. I saw a, a, an ad on the news the other night, and they were talking about someone who says, when's the last time you heard of this happening? And it was someone running out of gas on the highway. So I I guess it happens more than you think. You know what I saw yesterday, which was weird? I've never seen this before. Danielle had to go to a, a place for work today, so I drove with her the night before so we could figure out where it was so she'd feel comfortable. So so we're, we're leaving and we're coming back to our house, and traffic is stopped. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I look, and there's a car, two-lane road, you know, traffic coming towards us, and, and we're going that way. And one of the cars that's supposed to be driving towards us is just stopped in the middle of the road. The guy fell asleep waiting at the red light, oh but his foot like pressed down on the brake so he's just snoozing in his car so people get out and they start you know knocking on his window he got so scared he woke up and slammed on the gas and flew down the road <laughs> and i'm sitting here i'm like <laughs> like that could like this could have been a poofo thing if he swerved i would have been taken out by a sleeping driver and that you got your toes run over if you were too close as i walk <laughs> over to try and wake him up yeah so then when you do not wake the guy up yeah, really. Yeah, exactly. Just leave him there. I'm sure he'll be fine. So that was. Well, he probably idea. thought y'all were trying to mug him. <laughs> it's like he, like who does that? Who falls? It's a carjacking. Exactly. Who falls asleep though at a red light? Usually, aren't you supposed um, to fall asleep while you're in motion? Um, hey, look, a distraction. No- we are starting our final six puffwas of our third season. At which point, we'll be turning the podcast over to Sue and the Peons for a fourth season. We're looking into some alternate names for the podcast. One I really liked was Peon Puffwa, but spelled P E 
God. Space O N space Pouvoir. And That's that awful. was vetoed by Julia, who has kidney stones. <laughs> she did not find that very amusing. So apparently we can't call it Peon Pouvoir or also lose the Jews. So we're just looking into some alternate titles. <laughs> but we're looking into that. So we're covering our last fic. It was a member selected fic. It was actually very close between Keza's Rebuilding Life and Jay Burns fic. It was down, I think we, we almost needed a tie breaking vote, as I recall. It was, it very, was very close. right down to the wire. It was right down to the wire. And I'm really, I, I started the story and I'm really excited about it because it reminds me very much of After the End, which is the first story that we covered. And I'm getting to the point now where I'm, I've, I feel like I've sampled everything in the Harry Potter fandom. I feel like we've read one of everything at this point. So I feel like I really got my money's worth out of this. And I'm really glad to be ending the podcast on a story I'm probably most comfortable with because it's, it's just, it's a really good one. And the funny part was, I'm reading this. I'm like, this seems very familiar because I've never read a, a, a Deathly Hallows, a post Deathly Hallows story before. Like, this seems very familiar. And I'm reading it. I'm like, this seems very familiar. Like, like par- parts of it just seemed like I've read it before, but I know I haven't. Then I remembered Melinda started a post Deathly Hallows story and I read the first four chapters of it and then she stopped because she has children and whatnot. And it, it just reminded me so much of that. So I'm so glad you're here. Melinda, how's that coming? I, I wrote, what, seven chapters, I think? Mm-hmm. And it's that with it, with those seven chapters ever since. I just haven't, oh, I don't know what's wrong with me. seven chapters It's not that. Lot. I have all the story, like a, an original one that I was working on too, but, and I stopped on that. So I just, I cannot make myself right. I don't know what's wrong. Well, the other part that Melinda's not telling you is I'm like the worst beta ever because I, I don't beta. I don't know how the beta, I don't know what betas do. Like, I, like, so Melinda was very good about it because she would send me a chapter. I'd be like, Oh, I think you should do this. I think you should do that. I think you should, you should do this. I think you should do that. And she changed all these things, except as I told before, there was one comma that I thought she should take out or whatever. <laughs> Melinda's like, no, the, the comma can stay. I'm like, but, but it's so much I better quit. without it. <laughs> and, and like, I kept like taking it out and she kept putting it back in. So we, and I think the comma's still there. And finally she had to stop writing the story because I was harassing her about the damn comma. But so I, it, I replaced my asterisks with here is a scene break, Ryan, for oh, your you listening did. pleasure. Well, there was an it's, issue. I typed, I actually did find and replace the asterisks with here is a scene break, Ryan. So Do awesome. I love it. Say. Yes. <laughs> there, there was an issue. Um, it was actually with this story where Keza has 23 X's separating every scene which my text reader reads as <laughs> so it's like I'm driving and I start swerving because I get scared so mine mine read it as when it would get real fast it would sound like it's a subliminal message from Keza yeah but apparently it doesn't read any asterisks at all so it was so if if it's asterisks it's just one long thing and everything is occurring simultaneously in one room or something so I re- so I reading this. It reminds me a lot of Melinda's story, and as it's the only story I've ever read post Deathly Hallows before. Actually, is that true? Have we ever covered anything post Deathly Hallows well, in the podcast? Um, what's it called? Was quote unquote Dumbledore's was Army, right? Yeah, Dumbledore's no, that Army. Was, that wasn't no, post. That was no, seven years. No, well, it backward was with purpose. It was written, I mean, it took Deathly Hallows into account, obviously. Well, backwards also, with purpose, Ella's, right? Backwards with purpose was Deathly Hallows. Like it had Deathly Hallows like content, but it was AU in the sense that the Deathly Hallows ending didn't happen. The but time it had, setting. It had the Horcruxes and stuff we found, and Xenophilius Lovegood and stuff we learned. It from stopped like halfway through the battle. Didn't it? it stopped like halfway through the battle. Is yeah. that correct? Mm-hmm. And then it, yeah, it, and, it, it, and then obviously it the sequel. From the and then obviously Book of Albus was. 
you know, continued on that had the same characters. It's Deathly Hallows, like, information. Yeah. I, and I've read stories like that before, too, where they've incorporated somehow, like, Warcruxes into a pre-existing story, and they made a client. But there's that... I believe Melinda's story that I started was the only one that I've ever read that, that, you know, in that timeline. And it's actually interesting because the only other one I've I think read I've read another one. What the only other one I think I've read after, you know, after canon really like that is after the end, which obviously was after I think it was Goblin of the Fire compliant. Of fire, yeah. So it, it was it was interesting for me, and um, uh, there was there were a couple of moments that I'll always actually remember of Melinda's fic, which I'm hoping by the time this comes out, maybe Melinda will put some samplers out. I, there. I, I've got I might do, I might just write it though before I let anybody beta read it, so I can just try to. <laughs> After the disaster with the last <laughs> schmuck that was beta reading read that, we've, we, we can't allow that to happen well, again. I had more than reading it. To be honest, I think I ended up changing so many things and going that I, I kind of lost my track of where Melinda, I Melinda, don't listen to those people. Don't yeah. listen to those I'm people. I'm going to write it and then have you all beta read after. Yeah, I mean, that's the best you can do. I mean, like, and, like there was little stuff. Like, I remember in Melinda's... Um, I'm, this is going to be hard. I'm gonna try, I want to try and compare this a little bit to what Melinda wrote without sharing what Melinda wrote. There was a point where Melinda wrote something, and it was a scene at the borough. And um, it was – this isn't really giving that much weight. It was a scene where I think um, Ron and Harry were either – they were late getting there, or they, they said they would do something, and they came late, or they didn't call first or whatever. And Molly got very upset with them that they, that they did that. going to get their own flat. They were going to get their own flat. Whatever happened, there was a line along the lines of Ron was trying to calm Molly down, I think, and he said something along the lines of, Ma, come on, nobody died. Everyone's fine. Obviously, Fred had died, and that was the thing that was on her mind, and she just, like, her, her lower lip, you know, started trembling or whatever. It was like he snapped at her or something because she was being unreasonable. And I always loved that particular moment, just like the little thing that you wish you didn't say. And the minute you say it, you're like, holy crap, or you realize that the other person, they're thinking of something else while they're talking about this thing, and that's the thing that's really on their minds. So I love moments like that, and there were a lot of them in Melinda's story, which is really good. The only thing I have with your story, Melinda, is I think I guessed the ending of it. I think I said, I think I know what's happening here, and you told me, yes, you're right, that's actually where I'm going with it. And I was really scared by that, because I'm usually (laughs) the dumbest person alive. (laughs) So I'm like, maybe you should bury the secrets, you know, maybe you're being too forward. But I'll never know if it's just me being really smart just that once, (laughs) or if, you know what I mean? So, but I hate that. Yeah, exactly. Because usually I just assume I'm an idiot, so you never know. But um, one thing Keza does really well in these chapters is she has a lot of moments like that one where you realize the character said something they shouldn't have or you know they're thinking about something else and and that's what i really love you from figured it. out who who the guy was who was behind some of the things going on i yeah i think it, you figured out who he was going to be but it it wasn't it wasn't as big a deal because that, that's not going to be a secret that, okay so like i figured it out like a, like a chapter you know what before. i want What's that? i want a sequel to the seven i promise <laughs> i won't beta it with the, the, I mean, cause, <laughs> no, you can't, because Dudley, Dudley murders that, You know what? I honestly think that would be easier than Deathly Hollow. Because Deathly Hollow's really, I find it hard to go from there. Because it's like, we already know where everybody ends up. Do it, no it Melinda, do it. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I, I, I love stories, too, where you know where it's going to end up. And then you get there, and you're like, oh, that's not exactly what I thought would happen. So you can have fun with those. But you really have to, like change the whole thing around. You have to have it be like a harmonious story that whole time, and they break up like a year before, and then the, Ginny and Harry get back together. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. <laughs> Melinda, I think <laughs> for 20 bucks, I think you should write a harmonious story. I think 
No one would ever see it, it coming. It would make Lord. Richard so happy. It would make Richard happy. He's moved to Scranton. Where the hell does Richard live? He just moved somewhere. He Akron. moved to Akron. I don't know where the hell he is. So, and he's not listening to this anyway, so he'll, he'll never be here to tell us. Um, I love the fact that we're supposed to be talking about Kez's fic, and all we're talking about is Melinda. <laughs> it's Melinda's story. This time on Melinda Cast. Melinda's fic that hasn't even been published yet, so no one will be able to read it. No, it Mel- Melinda, Melinda, the best scene in that entire... I want you to actually send me I promise I won't bait it. Send me the scene that I already read. The, the, the one I love more than anything in that fic is actually um, the dinner scene. Oh, Melinda, I want to read it. No, the dinner scene. The, there's a <laughs> dinner scene. Oh, oh, okay. The scene in every story where Ron is telling Harry what he may or may not do with Ginny while he's you know humping Hermione in the corner. And you, know, you really want someone to just tell Ron <laughs> off for that. I'm really not doing that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a reason she won't release this thing on Sink and Jira. Ooh, Melinda. And, you know, I mean, and she has the scene where where Harry just totally gives it to Ron, and I love it. And, I, and I'm talking on the podcast. Oh, I just read this great scene, and Melinda's like, "Ooh, that sounds wonderful." I wrote it like you did, you idiot. You wrote it the other day. <laughs> so Melinda forgot that was her own fic. But um, on Kez's fic, Kez is like, "What about me? What about me?" Welcome to Kez's fic. Well, well, welcome I think to Kez's. I actually think Kez's is editing episode. <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> Isn't that a conflict of interest? Can we? I do believe that? it is. Oh, good God! That's how you I know wondered this. about that. This is how you know we're hemorrhaging staff near the Kez's editing her own episode. One thing I love about the story is, like, if, if I even had to have any complaints about this story, I've, I've really enjoyed reading these last 15 chapters. Like, I had to go shopping tonight. I sat in the car and I made Danielle stand out in the cold until the chapter ended. The, the only complaint I could possibly have about it is it's actually too good. And there's actually so many of those little moments in there, which I love, that the characters, you know, at some points become, like, borderline emo. Like, they're always running out the door and slamming the door because they are upset by something someone said. But that doesn't happen very much. Although it does amuse me that at a couple of points, a character will walk out and shut the door, and he's like, <laughs> he's going to get the mail, and everyone comes out and apologizes to him. Even though he's not angry, because that's just what they do. They apologize for that thing they said half an hour ago. So, there's some scenes for that. I think that yeah, that does happen a lot. I feel like people have to go outside, you know? <laughs> I need to take I a I just walk. need some air. I need, I need air. But on some level, but I mean, there's that's not a good air thing. in here. <laughs> but you know what it is, though? It's... The beginning of this one, this is just where the war is ending, and right. everyone's still kind of, their emotions are up and down and all over the place. And I think she does a really good job portraying that. I, I, I enjoy oh, yeah. this fact. She does. I mean, the best scene I think it happens in is the scene with George and Harry in the Great Hall. That's one of my favorite scenes. Oh, yeah. Um, that's an awesome yeah. scene. That was, that was such an awesome scene. And my second favorite scene is the scene where they're discussing Harry's family jewels and Ron is the only one who doesn't understand. Actually, you know what? P.S. wants more Master Fic Theater. Let's give it to her. Oh, my God. It's like, okay, everyone picks the entire Weasley family. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a Weasley staff meeting is the scene yeah. I think <laughs> Early. Yep. The is Percy, Percy in there? Yeah, Percy. Oh, Percy. Percy, Percy is there. Who's the one who died? Fred. Fred's not Her there. Else yeah, there. Fred's <laughs> Fred is a zombie. George. I have a question about that. When they brought Fred's body home, there was no yes. reference to it being in a casket. Hermione, you're awful. No, they said they brought Fred's body back and they stuck it on the couch. There was no <laughs> reference to there being any type of enclosed structure. I'm picturing Fred's, you know, body and stiff dead legs. I'm picturing Fred's dead body in a suit, laying on the couch as the family's playing canasta. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh my- I. They talk about him being in a casket later. Later! I know, but... No. Why did they put the casket on the couch? Who's playing Harry? Brian's playing Harry. All right. 
Uh, okay, Scott, you're Ron. There's no way around that. <laughs> okay. Scott's Ron. Okay. How about this? Death Row is uh, all the other Weasleys. <laughs> Great. Uh, so I'm Harry. Scott's Ron. Bill's all the interchangeable Weasleys. We need He's a Death Row. Bill is all the interchangeable Weasleys. Death Row. We love a Bill here. Okay. Um, Melinda. <laughs> Melinda. I was almost a Bill. Actually, you were almost a. Very true story. And then, uh, and then death roll beat it out by a hair. <laughs> no, no, the, the, the men in my family on, on my father's side would switch the first name and the middle name. It would be A and B and then B and A, and I was supposed to be William. And Wait, my mother, so are you Brian Williams like newscaster? No, that was the thing. My mother hated the name William, and so I got to be Brian instead. P.S. is Ginny. Melinda oh, is Fleur. Melinda is Fleur, Hermione, and Mrs. Weasley. Okay. Sue is the narrator, Scott is Ron, I am Harry, and Brian Williams over here is all the other men. Who's <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Weasley? He's a man, he's Brian Hi. Williams. Male Weasley. I can uh, be okay. more than one person if we want. Uh, well, this is because this is Magic Scott. <laughs> this is Magic Scott. Yeah. I love Scott. the Master Fix where Scott is the only actor. <laughs> No, never, we didn't do that. No, we did do a couple where he was. Julia did it a couple times. I was two people in a few. Um, I was three people in one just because I ended up replacing things that didn't work. Yes. Who was the person who kept pronouncing um, Geneva Weasley's name Guinea? Uh, that was Lexi. <laughs> that was I'm like, really? Guinea? Well, that's how you can tell you would listen to the podcast. In the last one we did, there was someone who kept calling her um, Lady Chai all over again. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe she'll listen Lady to the Chai. first one. Lady Chai? Uh, Lady Chai? My Lady favorite Chai. was that they had a big argument about the dooryard. Jen says something about it's POU, it's when she's arguing with Napoleon or with Ron about the wedding. Uh-huh. And she says, You have to apologize for what you said in the dooryard. And Jen goes, what the hell is a dooryard? Is that even a word? And they have a whole discussion, and then they redo it and use a different word. And I'm like, no, dooryard's a word. And I looked it up, and I was right. So well, did I she use courtyard there. or something? Well, it's a POU yeah, it's, house. You can have four of everything. else in there. You have four of everything. All right. We ready to so, do this? Wait, so what is a dooryard? It's the yard right around your door. <laughs> it's really simple. It's just like a little courtyard. That fic, that fic did not age well. Right. <laughs> Jen, apparently. Action. The sun was streaming through the window when Harry woke again. The clock said it was almost midday, but he could smell one of Mrs. Weasley's delicious breakfasts wafting up this little room beneath the attic. Harry was hungry. He swung out of bed and padded his way downstairs. The entire Weasley family and Hermione were sitting around the kitchen table, eating and talking quietly. Ron looked up from his enormous plate of sausages and bacon to spear a kipper from the middle of the table and saw Harry standing there. Morning, Harry. He cried. Several heads whipped around, and Ginny scrambled from her chair and ran to pull him into a hug, which Harry returned enthusiastically. Come and have some breakfast before Ron eats it all, she said, pulling him over to sit in the chair between her and Bill. It's a bit late for breakfast, isn't it? Harry asked as she and Mrs. Weasley began piling his plate high. Yes, well, we only just got up. We didn't get much sleep last night. Mr. Weasley said kindly. Harry looked down at his hands. Sorry. He mumbled. He felt Bill's hand on his arm and looked up at the older man. It's okay, Harry. Remember what I said. Ron cocked his head to one side. What did you say? Bill resumed eating, swallowing a bite of toast before answering. He's family. After a pause, he added, 
Awfully polite chap, though. Reckon you could teach that to Ron? Ron glowered as Charlie snickered. You have to snicker, Jethro. <laughs> Hang on, I was Did anyone else picture Jethro do... like, swallowing his drink before he switched over the builder? Well, as I've been unable to influence Ron or indeed any of you in that direction all these years, I don't like his chances. Percy said as he primly cut his sausages into small bite-sized pieces. Au contraire, Percival, my lad. I've learned a lot from you, and your example has influenced me no end, old chap. Percy shot him an icy look. I'm polite. Have to be when trying to impress the ladies. He puffed out his chest. Fleur scoffed. It is not politeness that is attractive to women. Really? What's the secret, then? Oh, that's me again. Holy <laughs> shoot! How do you say that third bit right there? Joie de vivre. Joie de vivre. There is, there is, um. There's a dog in here. <laughs> Hang on. Charm, charisma, joie de vivre. That and a generous. William Arthur. Kissed his mother. Charlie snickered and Fleur blushed. Purse. Finished Bill innocently. Light has always worked with Penelope. Percy said, his nose in the air. Harry suppressed a snort with great difficulty as he saw Charlie, George, and Ron all seize that piece of information. Penelope, huh? How about you tell us about Penelope, Purse? Said George with an evil gleam in his eye. Ron began singing a rather childish ditty about love and marriage under his breath that Harry once thought he'd heard a version of on the television show that Dudley was particularly fond of. Yes. Have you shown her your generous purse yet? Percy looked at Charlie with disdain. Our relationship is suitably proper, according to those who are not yet married. They're not talking about money, are they? Ginny said under her breath to Hermione as both girls giggled uncontrollably. <laughs> Mrs. Weasley... <laughs> <laughs> shot a disproving look at Bill. So, it's not the size of your purse, then, Bill. It's how generous you are about it? Asked George with a wink. Fleur went as red as any Weasley, and Charlie went purple with the effort of trying not to laugh. Ron, who had obviously completely missed the double entendre, chose that moment to add his thoughts to the conversation. Well, if that's all it takes, then Ginny's in luck, because I've seen Harry's. It's sizable, and he's generous to a fault. Harry is... <laughs> <laughs> I love our sound effects. Harry and Ginny collectively sprayed their pumpkin juice clear across the table. Well, well at, at least, least Ginny hasn't seen it. That's Charlie. <laughs> Who are you, George Costanza? <laughs> A George divided against itself cannot stand. <laughs> well, at least Ginny hasn't seen it yet. Charlie glared at Harry menacingly. Volnix, of course she has. Scoffed Ron. His mother glanced at him, and Hermione muttered something about his appalling language. Harry began to chew a he just couldn't mouth. She has. Yes, I have, Harry. Don't you remember? It's a bit of a worry if a bloke can't remember that. Muttered George, a scowl on his face. Right before I went to Hogwarts, we had a look down there. <laughs> she said brightly, her face gleaming with barely suppressed mischief. Harry just looked at her in horror. He could see Hermione behind her, a hand stuffed in her mouth to prevent her bursting out. 
loud, into loud and controllable laughter. Ron was nodding along, his mouth full of his tense sausage, and Bill, Charlie, Percy, and George were looking at Harry in a way that made his blood run cold. Harry appealed to Hermione with his eyes. Well, at least she's only seen it that once, and you're the only one who has access, so we can't be sure it hasn't happened again. It's a pity I haven't had the chance to see it. I'd love to see your family, Jules. You are not helping! Harry ground out as Bill now shook with silent laughter. George and Charlie stared at Hermione with unconcealed glee. <laughs> Percy looked as though he was trying to disprove. Ron swallowed the last of his breakfast. Oh, give it up, Harry. We're all big enough to deal with the size of it. We're all grown-ups here. You've probably got some really brilliant family jewels stashed in there. <laughs> Harry simply groaned and pushed his plate to one side, put his forehead down, and began banging his head lightly on the tabletop. Oh, I'd like to see those. <laughs> That's the fakest laughter I've ever heard. That's a real laugh. That's a real laugh. No, it's not. I have it on tape. It's real. <laughs> then I'm like, what do you think of Ty? Oh, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> he's sitting right That sounded like wow, the biggest laugh in the world. laugh I've heard. So it's okay with you if Harry shows Ginny his family jewels, Rob? Bill asked, his eyes now twinkling with unconcealed mirth. Yeah, we do. Began Mrs. Weasley, but Ron interrupted her. Sure. He said, shrugging. He should probably wait a while before he gives her any, though. They've not been going out for long. I mean, I used to have a problem with his generosity, but I like to think I've matured a bit since then. That was enough to make Charlie and George lose control completely, and they began howling with laughter. Ron looked at them as if they were daft before he turned to Harry, concern on his face. Say, Harry, you think the goblins will lay you back into it after the uh, mess we made at Gringotts? You were talking about my vault? Harry said weakly. Yeah, what did you think I was talking about? Where else would your family jewels be? Oh. Ron went scarlet. And there it is. <laughs> and there it is. And there it is. I sent a message to Kevin. Now, there's so much in the story I want to talk about that I absolutely loved. I thought it was perfect. I'm so glad it's the last stuff we're going to be doing on the podcast this season. But there were some other things. I'm like, hmm. Like, in the first or second chapter, there's a point where um, they reference the fact that George left fireworks in the boathouse. And yes. I'm thinking about that. And I, I talked about this in the last podcast. And I'm like, Keza, is it possible you were playing the Order of Phoenix game where they actually have a subplot about getting the fireworks out of the boathouse? And she kind of shrugged her shoulders at me. And then I'm going on a little bit further, and there's a scene where they're in the Great Hall. Harry pulls out the chair for Ginny and, like, pushes him in and tucks her in. And I'm like, they don't have chairs in the Great Hall. They have benches. Harry tra- pulled out the whole thing. <laughs> he pulled out the whole He knocked all the first years to the ground. He's, like, pulling out the bench he's trying to let everyone sit on. And I'm, I'm like, then I'm thinking about it. I'm like, maybe they do have chairs. On top of Dean opening the doors for her, that, that, that she, he, he probably would be a little cautious about Ron that. Ron would bash his face in. <laughs> well, then I'm thinking about it, and I said to Takeza, she writes back to me, all of the benches were destroyed by the Death Eaters. McGonagall brought in chairs. I like it. I like it. I'm so like, what I have to say, Keza mentioned that Barb had in her fic, had Harry's name spelled with Har. She did it too. She beat the Y was way over on the right. Yes. It's like Har. Har. E. R. E. 
See, I miss those things when I listen to it. Well, I do too, and I never know how much, uh, how many grammatical errors there are because I never usually read it. But I, I love the chapter three author's note. I fixed the commas; they're probably still wrong. K. Okay. <laughs> that was basically it. <laughs> and then I'm reading it. Bye. And there's a couple points where there's like a run-on sentence, or you know, the comma should be there, or whatever. But I'm like, uh, overwhelmingly, it's it's just really, really solid stuff. But I just I I died at that. I'm like, how is he pulling up the chair? They have benches. <laughs> She's like, it's fine. Keep breathing. Magic. So I love that part. The only thing I was concerned about going through it was I was like I liked the pace of it. And I liked the fact that it was all aftermath. And I love the fact that Harry, who has just gone through this, you know, impossible journey for the last year, or depending on who you talk to, he's gone camping. Um, and he gets through it all, and he essentially breaks down. And it's the point where if he sees red fireworks, he faints. If he, do you ever notice he's unconscious a lot in the first six chapters? Yeah, they were yes, green. I, he was in the hospital wing twice. I mean, yeah. the, if there was only anything I could complain about the story in the beginning was that the, you know it just seemed like it, there was almost like a repetition to it, which is probably normal, which is probably like what happens, but. To read it, the real life repetition just comes across as you know over repetition. You know he he, he I don't want to say he was emo, but he he very much. Um, you know, he I would, definitely I realize that like a lot of times, like as a writer, like I'll be writing a scene, and then later on I'll write another scene, and then I'll think, well, maybe they should have been one scene, or maybe I didn't need yeah. to have that happen twice. I mean, the repetition forced me to realize the fact that Harry. Could, it's basically like you go through battle and then you like you know pull into dry dock and you can't take the you know the plates off and, and, you, and you start repairing things and you're you're essentially you know out of commission for a while because you need to recover and Harry essentially can't flip the switch and go back to war like if they found out in chapter three just kidding Voldemort's still alive you know that's a mannequin on the floor of the great hall Harry couldn't fight him because he he was mentally exhausted from it and he just can't He's go back like to the it opposite of these veterans that come home and like go crazy you know because they can't get in <laughs> hold on someone's at the door <laughs> yeah I, I get what you're saying PS it's it's like vets who come home and they can't adjust to civilian life again they're only comfortable when they're in the war situation. Well, it's a dramatic turn for Harry. I mean, because Harry, look at the others. I mean, the only thing I can compare it to is after the end. But look at Harry normally. You know, the war is over, and now he, it's his responsibility to round up the Death Eaters. It's his responsibility to rebuild the Ministry. It's his responsibility to ride the dragon in circles around Azkaban forever. He feels he has to do it, because he feels like he has to do everything. Because everyone else expects mm-hmm. him to, because Harry will save the world. It's interesting to read the story where Harry's like, oh, you know, I, I should help the Ministry, but Nah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> when school's over, Harry is either going to play Quidditch, become an Auror, or teach Defense Against the Dark Arts. Those are, like, the three options for him, and he'll usually start each of them immediately. Well, usually he takes... Look at how it usually works. Like, Melinda is the poster child for this. The war ends, Harry got bonked over the head with a fire extinguisher. He sees James and Lily. He wants to stay. They want him to go back. Ginny is sad. He goes back. <laughs> 
He has a massive head wound. It takes him a few weeks to learn to walk again. Then he's got his little crutches. Then he has the you know the last scene in the chapter, and then after that he runs for Minister of Magic and wins the land. Like he does. Wait, what fic is this? It's every. It's well, it's not, every, not every fic. fic. But that's usually how it ends. I mean, there's there's a cycle to it. You know, yeah. Harry is wounded. Harry recovers. Harry and Jenny usually have sex near a beach, as I recall, and then <laughs> everything kind of works itself out, and you know, end scene, and he becomes defensive Harvard's teacher next year when he's like eighteen years old. He does something. Yeah, no, that's not yeah. one of mine. That's and then roll the credits. Roll the credits. I mean that, but that's pretty much it. Or if you like, look at after the end, which is probably one of the best fix in this fandom. It's got to be in the top five, at least for me. I mean, look at that one. You know, the war ends, and Harry decides he wants to play professional Quidditch, and he does that for like a week and a half, and then he basically gets back to work, and he does you know an incredibly tough, you know, mentally taxing job for a year, and then after that, he has the ability to start a life again, and. I mean, that's the formula. So it's interesting for me that you see a ministry, you know, in Tathers. You see Hogwarts majorly damaged. Kingsley's in charge, and, King- and Kingsley's a good guy, and that's fine. But what I like about the story is there's not an artificial thing. Like, and after the end, you know, what do we do with the Dementors? That's the thing. This is a story about how do we clean up this one area of the world that doesn't have an easy answer and that Joe devoted all of three lines to because it just wasn't interesting for her. What, you know, how you fix that thing. And what I loved about this story is you actually didn't have that. So Harry had the ability to cry in every scene. He had the ability to lose consciousness, need to be carried to bed. And while that is repetitious at times, it's very interesting because that's, we always say Harry is a superhuman who would need 27 years of therapy after everything that happened in this fic when Melinda Leo knocked him down the stairs and broke all of his kneecaps. <laughs> but in this fic, he gets, you know, he has to get therapy, but he gets that. I mean, any normal person would go through that. On top of that, like, I lost my father a few years ago, and I was like that. I'd be, you know, sitting there doing something, and then something would remind me of him, and I'd start crying, because it's just, it's something that just, it's, it's the weirdest crap that happens, and, you, and there's no control over it, and you just gotta get through it. And, right. unfortunately, what happens here is you've got 23 people who all love each other, who all lost someone, so Molly will cry, and then Ron will cry, because Molly's crying, and Jenny will cry, because Ron's being a big guy, and walking over and hugging his mom, and then Bill comes in, oh, man, and you cry, and then before you know it, you've got 33 people in the room crying, <laughs> it's like, okay, that, that, that exploded rather quickly. And the room floods. Exactly, and the room floods. So, I I mean, it's it's definitely a type of story where it's natural that so many people have that, but I like, what, what concerned me was, I was concerned, I think it was chapter 8 or chapter 9, you know, that they go to the Ministry Gala, and they get drunk on other beer, and they come home, and the next chapter begins, and the house has been burglarized, and the Death Eaters are back, and Harry's going to have to go into the Witness Protection Program like he did in Stealing Harry, and <laughs> everything's, like, that's it, and the, and the fighting's going to start again, and that didn't happen. It was four paragraphs, or five paragraphs, and it was a blip in the road that gave Harry, you know, an excuse to freak out again and that was it and we got back to you know the, the healing I, I was glad i even said kez that thing saying thank you for not making that a major plot point then because i didn't want it to be that i mean you can have those stories all the time now it's who's the death either and, and all that. i didn't want that right then it has had a lot of different things in it i mean 
There's the trip to Australia. I don't know if that's happened yet in the first 15 chapters, but... No, not yet. No, not, not yet. yet. So I won't bring that up. Did you get the sense when they were having Hermione describe everything in Australia and where they were going and the names and what the names mean, it was going to be like uh, Psychic Serpent where Barb had MapQuest out and she's telling them exactly how to get from Maggie's flat to Sirius' well, summer. Well, because I've actually been to Australia, so... Well, I, I yeah, think, well, given I how Jezza so. felt about that, I would really hope she didn't do that. <laughs> well, it just, you know what it was? It's like, it's it's the love of using insider information. So it's like, Jezza's like, I know where that is! It's right near the Taco Bell! It's like explaining where <laughs> Well, they say you should write what you know. Yeah. Right. But didn't it say something about she stole something about Australia from another mm-hmm. author? There's a fic where there's a bus in New Zealand, and she stole uh, it, it for using it in Australia as well. St. Margaret's fix, yeah. With the chapters we're actually covering. One thing I... Well, that would have been in there. Like, I've read up to 15. I really hope we get a lot of information on Hermione finding her parents, and I hope it's not just like, you know, you find them and you flick a switch and they hug her. And so I want there to be a lot of drama. Like I was saying earlier, Melinda... Well, you're co- in luck. Yeah, like Melinda... <laughs> like, like Melinda covers that. I don't want to give away Melinda's fic, but Melinda will cover that in her fic, which she will publish because I can be incredibly annoying and I know your home email address. <laughs> but she she has a great scene where it's basically Hermione in the fallback. Because how would you feel if your kid basically like bonked you over the head, shoved you in a box, and like sent you down the road? I have read fics where she left them there. Like where she... Forever? Yeah, like she was... I mean, the reason she was so distraught is because it was permanent. Like, it, like the person obviously read Deadly Hallows and just assumed it was permanent. Really? Interesting well, way to go. The interesting thing would be, like, if she went to get them and they were happy and they, like, I know it's probably not about late, they, like, had another kid and they, like, you know, were, like, on the school committee or something. Oh, and I've, read, I've read one where she's pregnant. Because they forgot about all about Hermione and they can't, they can't think why they haven't had a child yet. They've always wanted kids, but Ooh, they don't and they have a girl in the name of Hermione because they've always oh. wanted to name it Hermione. Oh, plot bunnies are striking, and it's a crappy <laughs> idea, but it's coming on the left field. I can't stop it. Oh, and no, she I, goes I can... to Hogwarts. She goes to no, she won't go. I, I can absolutely imagine Hermione's mom if she thought she didn't have a daughter turning to her husband going, my biological clock is ticking. I want to have a kid. You fracking dentist, what's taking you so long? <laughs> <laughs> See, it's the same laugh. It's what's come out. No, no, she stopped the time. Well, no, Sorry, it is. I'm, I'll have to train myself. This is the way my father laughs. It's genetic. Edit it, take a clip, and just loop it a couple of times. And, In the yeah. background of the entire episode. <laughs> But the other thing is, it's, like, like that's happened. Like, there was a plot line in Battlestar Galactica that I interpreted the plot one way, and everyone else, including the writers and everyone I know who's ever seen the show, interpreted it another way. It, there's a scene, um, I don't want to spoil it for listeners who haven't seen it yet, there's a scene in the second season where the president gives an order to someone to hide something from some people. Uh-huh. And I always thought that Bill was in on it. Huh. And then there's an episode... He wasn't there when they hit it. I know, but they talk, they tight yo, and they have lunch and stuff, and I figured well, it I came up in the morning staff meeting. I'd like to point out, if you're Jenny and I'm Harry, we're likely going to be sleeping together in at least 12 chapters. That's not like that. <laughs> She's like, that's nothing at all like that. <laughs> well, that was my little conundrum during Master Trick when I realized Julie yeah. and I would be sleeping together. So, anyway, anyway Ryan mentioned Metal Star Galactica, so take a drink. Yeah. <laughs> Coming back, coming back, coming back. So, um, I'm looking actually through, I want to go through this, if I can, chapter by chapter. I know, new for us, but... We do occasionally do that. Every 
once. The peons know how to do this. Peons, you know how to do this. So anyone with thoughts, jump in, because I'm skimming through chapter one. Well, I would just like to say that this story really moves me on a deep emotional level. I connect with the characters. I feel their pain and their grief and their sorrow. And I think Keza understands loss very well in the way she wrote these very great losses that these characters have experienced. Had me in absolute tears on more than one occasion. Um... I'm glad I managed to do my reading in the privacy of my own home so that nobody saw me leaking. Yeah, nobody saw me crying in the library like P.S. And for the characters, things get better slowly uh, as they do when loss is real. And some days are better, some days are worse. Time heals all wounds, especially if you have the comfort and support and the love of birth family and chosen family. Exactly. I mean, as time goes by, you're able to keep the laughter and you're able to like the, the pain isn't so like I was I forget if I said that on the podcast or not I was joking with my mother you know the other day I found something that was my father's it was his tape recorder that he had at work and like I made a comment to my mother like oh I found it and it was actually the property of, of the law firm he used to work at that and my mother was like oh my god he never returned that to the law firm when he left I'm like ma he died <laughs> like he didn't know <laughs> like and she started laughing and I started laughing because it was an insanely stupid thing for her to say but it was you laugh about Whereas six years ago, that would not have gone over well. But it's, you're yeah. able to find points of flattery. Well, the very it, first thing that happens is Harry decides to go down to the kitchens because he doesn't want everyone staring at him at breakfast in the Great Hall. And they find George there. And basically all the Weasley males congregate in the kitchens. And Bill breaks out the fire whiskey. And and that's what you do. Yeah, that, that always struck me as funny, actually, that scene, because it, it's it's just dawn. Harry gets up. They said that it was just dawn when he got up, but they're, they they go for breakfast, and there's never any mention of them actually eating, just drinking fire whiskey. No, yeah. They, it's like the bar that opens yeah, at 8 a.m. for probably. a long day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that Hermione like, goes to get Molly or to tell Molly whatever. And Hermione's in. I mean, I, I like love... the moment where Harry tries to. Uh, he's going to leave as well because obviously the Weasleys need some time together, and Charlie stops him because he's their brother too. And right. they sort of have that. Well, you know what's interesting? When we covered, like, I know Melinda's going to have a very strong reaction to this, I'm praising for it. It's like when we covered Fix, like, a year, like, none other, and, you know, Harry calls someone else dad. You know, there, that's always, like, a weird thing. You know, in this, like, there's the episodes, it's the episodes, there's the Fix where Harry's, like, an honorary Weasley. In, in this Fix, he actually calls Molly mom when he gets frustrated. And, you know, we end the chapters with him calling Arthur dad. And on course, there's some level to it where he's like the honorary son-in-law, and sometimes you call your mother-in-law mom and, and stuff like that. But I thought it was interesting that he was, you know, so much a Weasley that he was actually referring to them through that. I wasn't sure what I thought of that. I, that bothered me? I mean, I know, I don't know, like, because everybody says that bothers them when it's Snape. That bothered me still when it was... It bothered me, too, to be honest with you. That's the one only piece of criticism I had on this whole thing is that I can't... Harry has never called anyone mom and dad. I can't... I just can't see him. Even if, when he becomes their son-in-law, like my mother and father-in-law have said when we first got married, call, call us mom and dad. So I do, but I know I... It's almost like I lower my voice when I say it. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> no, no, they have been married for 20 years, and if my mother and father happen to be in the same room, I'll only whisper, you know, because I don't want... I don't know, it's just weird. It's, yeah, it's, my... It's, my um, when, I can't when, imagine when, Harry 
ever being comfortable with that. When yeah. I was born, my mother jumped on being able to call her mother-in-law, you know, grandma, because she didn't want to. I mean, it was, you know. Yeah. Well, it was funny, too, because um, we were out the other day. I was out with my um, in-laws the other day, and my father-in-law, he keeps introducing me as Danielle's husband. And I'm like, would it make you more comfortable to call me that man your daughter married? <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's really funny. It's, that, that, he, guy. He's, that Ryan guy, which is what that I was Ryan. actually called for the first year. And it was actually really funny. I have no idea why. Danielle's grandfather is about, he's about maybe four or five inches shorter than P.S., and he's this little guy. And, like, he just, he, he just has this weird way of thinking of the world. And when he found out years ago I was dating um, Danielle, he's like, oh, oh, Ryan, yeah, yeah, sounds like a nice name, Irish, yeah. So is he black? <laughs> it was just like, I don't know. So I've, for years I've been that black Ryan guy. So <laughs> if you look at my underarms, I'm the whitest guy in America. So that doesn't really work too well. But. I don't know, for the in-law thing, that, that was the only angle I could see it, where he was essentially married, which is obviously weird. He, because he's the brother he's and he's married. Mar- yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he's yeah. the brother and he's and marrying. And even then, I can't, sister. like, I think Sirius was the closest he ever came, but there's even fix where he'll end up calling Sirius dad when he adopts oh, him. That's and I can't, hey, yeah. it's not right. It's, it's, it, I cannot Sirius think of never, ever doing that. Well, the only thing which I think is weird, or they, the only way I can think to justify it if you don't go the in-law route is, like, for example, um, Danielle's grandparents are divorced so she has um she has five grandparents one of them died it's weird uh, she has a step-grandmother but for all intents and purposes it's Danielle's grandmother she's you know been with Danielle's grandfather since Danielle was born and she's one of those people that um every time she talks to Danielle she finds a way of bringing up the fact that Danielle used to be five years old and she chronically sees Danielle as a five-year-old and that's just like where she fixates and she keeps like every time she refers to Danielle's grandfather in my presence she calls him grandpa like she wants me to call her grandma and stuff and my response is my grandparents died many years ago I love them very much and they're still my grandparents and you're not sorry <laughs> like, I, like I know what she's going for but I won't say it like I'll never call my father-in-law dad because I had a dad and he passed out. like maybe it's like a respect thing or mm-hmm. I don't know if for some people, maybe it's just different. The only thing I can say with Harry is based on the fact that he never knew his parents. See, I, think, I think what it is, is it's a formality issue to a degree, because I think in some areas or some you know groups, it's either he's going to call them dad or he's going to call him Mr. Weasley. Like, Ryan, what do you call your father-in-law? Do you call him Mr. I actually call him Big Dave. See, because I think in some places... Because he's two inches like, shorter than you are like, himself. I think so. in some places, if you didn't want to call him dad, you would be expected to call him Mr. Daniel's maiden name. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, I, oh, I would never call him that. I'd start giggling if I had to call him I know, but I'm saying, I'm saying, I know why some people probably do mm-hmm. go with the mom and dad. <laughs> you should start calling him Art or something it's, ridiculous it's, it's like that. Normal. <laughs> see him eventually going to calling the Molly and Arthur. Yes, that's mm-hmm. what I meant. Yeah. I think yeah. Harry yeah. probably might have calling them but even though it's not like the respect thing where he didn't know his parents. I think just the fact that the fact that he's never had them has been, always been such a a, a big mm-hmm. part of his life. I think it would be so odd for him to all of a sudden out of the blue start calling someone else either well, mom or dad. For me, my grandmothers lived um, into their 80s each. My grandfathers both died before I was born. One died three years before I was born. One died 20 years before I was born. My grandmothers were both Nana. I never had to call my grandfathers anything. So when I refer to them, I call them John and Henry when I refer to them in conversation. Oh, I, well, I, um, I refer to my grandfather that died before I was born. Like, I only ever refer to him when I'm talking to my mother, and I call him your father. Yeah, or, like, if I had one grandfather, maybe I would call him Grandpa, and then the other one would be Grandpa, you know, whatever, Grandpa John, even though I never knew him because I'm used to saying Grandpa. But I never had a name for a grandfather, so I never 
have, like, what some people yeah, do Nana I make, and Nanya. my grandparents, like, I don't call them grandma and grandma. I call them a name that I made up as a small child. So. Yeah, or some people say Papa or something like that. Like, I never had that name, so I don't know what to call a grandfather. So if Danielle's grandfather said, call me grandpa, maybe I would, because I don't have that connection association mm-hmm. so it so maybe in that case it's different whereas like for i won't call her grandmother grandma because i had grandmothers and i'm not like for whatever reason it just seems like i shouldn't like my mother's dating a guy right now she's been dating a guy for several months and like if they were ever to get married like i'm not gonna call him dad <laughs> like i would right. certainly not yeah i mean uh, you have to wonder is harry taking on arthur and molly as surrogate parents and is he thinking of his biological parents as his mother and father but whereas molly and arthur are mom and dad that's possible he's always called them his mom and dad though like i'm thinking of dan radcliffe right now. i think so has he always yes i think it does say my dad and my mom my dad when my mother and the patroness i think i saw my dad yeah when he Mm -hmm. thought of him the my dad did my dad didn't strut she did in this story, and I've seen it in other stories. The only other time it never really phases me that much is when, if he's hurt, if he's unconscious and he's sort of delirious, and, and she'll wipe his face and he might say, Mom. Those scenes don't bother me as much, but it's when Actually, he's fully conscious. Actually, those bother me more because he never, you know, that's not something that would be natural to him. You know, I can understand if he had known them and they had died after his memory, he might, you know, in his sort of delirious state, you know, well, call for his mother, but he wouldn't because he never knew them. Well, it's interesting because then if you if you think of it, if, 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 if she's trying to make a commentary, I mean, she could just be thinking, you know, call mom and dad, it's nice, you know, or maybe it's the in-law thing, but, you know, if, if you want to really, you know, analyze it, you could say that the Weasleys are the closest things that Harry will ever have to parents, and they've taken, they've taken him in as another you know, child, but then when you look at canon, I think we were talking about this a couple podcasts ago, you know, in Order of the Phoenix, when Dumbledore is interfering in Harry's life, Molly bitches and moans, but she never stops it, because she's not his mother. And, you know, Dumbledore has that, that control over Harry that a parent could probably stop, but they can't, because everyone knows they love him like a son, but he's not a son. And I think yeah. in this story, it, kind of, it pushes... Doesn't, doesn't she say in order that he's just as good as? Yeah. Yeah, she does say that. Well, but and there, there are so here. many things that play with that, that like, it's like I'm thinking of, um, what's it called? He does, it's a time travel was redo. It, was it Nightmare he, of Futures Past where he was paying the mortgage payments? No, it was the other one where he didn't get them to trust. He didn't, work, with purpose. He didn't work at getting them no, to trust him and they wound the up The mortgage pay was Nightmare. you, you. No, no, it was um, it was the he, one he, where where he where he moved in and he installed the alarm. No, Dre, yeah, no, he um, moved in and he installed an alarm. L- oh, Lucius oh, wanted right. to adopt him, and so did um, Amos Diggory, and so did Arthur, and and Dolores Umbridge like implied that Ron was doing all these weird things there, I'm, tying him up. Yes, that was bad, and I, I missed it too. I'm like, I wonder why everyone's so upset. <laughs> I w- can I just tell you, I was actually I reread the scene last night from Backward with Purpose where the Weasleys find out what Harry and, and Ron and Jimmy have actually done to contrast it to this back where they're like, you're just like our son, and in that one we hate you and we want you to die. Just so I could have a little contrast. Well, I've read, uh, there's other, there's plenty of other fics where they don't trust or they, they make a distinction yeah. because, like, when it comes right down to, I mean, they really only got involved in this because 
of Ron. Ron cared so much about Harry, especially Mr. Weasley, because he didn't have that much of a connection to Harry and Mrs. Weasley. Well, it's funny because I reread the scene in Backward Purpose. Um, if you haven't read it, listen to our podcast on it and go read it. It's a great story. Um, it's the scene where um, Mr. Weasley and Harry are in Arthur's shed, and Harry reaches out to Arthur in some way, and, and Arthur doesn't oh, respond. that breaks. Is that the one where he part. remembers how it happened the first time, and it gets so close to happening and doesn't? It doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I forget what he does. He either walks away or he doesn't accept it or he doesn't. I ask think him he's to like yeah, he basically tells him to leave. He's busy now or something like happens, that. Like mm-hmm. it happens. The first half of it happens like word for word as it did the first time. So Harry's like expecting him to be like, "If you ever need to talk, I'm here." And then Arthur is just like, "Okay, that's it." Thanks for bringing the sandwich. Yeah, exactly. Whereas in this one, at the end of it, where Arthur's like, um, "Harry, can I see you in my shed?" I'm like, "Oh man, you better not. You better not," because <laughs> I was I'm very nervous in the shed. Well, I don't have any problem with the feelings in this one because I do think Canon makes it more clear that that the Weasleys do love Harry very much. It's just the actual calling of the mum and dad yeah, that's that always. I like the way I it's first used Adam. though, because like it's Mrs. Weasley being fussing over Harry, basically, and he's going, okay, I'm fine, Mrs. Weasley, Mrs. Weasley, Mrs. Weasley, Mom! And it shocks her right. so much that she's That's not. what I was looking for, because that's what I remember, too, was that he did it as a shock fest. Well, factor. that was the thing. It would have been interesting, because I got the sense exactly what you're saying, that he, he's like, I need to, sh-, he's like, I can do one of two things. I can shoot her in the face with a fire extinguisher, or I can call her mom. Both will stop her in her tracks. I will call her mom, because that would be a horrible mess. I didn't get the sense that he said it without thinking, which maybe that would have given it a little bit more oomph, like if he just called her mom without even realizing he did it. I think that would be even weirder. Mm, not really. I mean, how many times do you accidentally call someone by the wrong name? Or, like, if, you're, if you're significant... <laughs> okay, like, for yeah, example, yeah, when Danielle is nagging me yeah. and I call her mom and we don't talk for a while. I mean, sometimes... Oh, it goes over. Or you call the teacher mom. Or the time I call Danielle Jen and then in an opportune moment. Um, you know, sometimes things... What an opportune moment was that, right? It was absolutely nothing at all, Jethro. Um, but you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like... I'm going to ask Danielle. I'm yeah. going to text her. Go yeah, for it. Yeah, text it to Ryan's phone. Actually, don't. She's asleep. She'll kill me twice. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I mean, that's the thing. It's when you look at a, you know, a moment like that, I could see Harry accidentally calling Molly mom. But see, there's nobody he calls mom. Like, I call, yeah, I call Ryan. Yeah. Like, I called Ryan Mike because, you know, Mike was a name I frequently said. But, you know, yeah, Harry mom doesn't is, say mom. Like, yeah, I mean, it's not he like never, this. ever has. Not even when he was a little kid with opportunity. I, it, I have a harder time with that. I could see it working just as well in the scene if he'd said Molly instead, because he's never used that for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, it did work for the scene, so. You should call her, like, Maggie or something like that. Maggie. Maggie's my sex. daughter from the other story. <laughs> and she starts crying because her daughter who died many years ago. Yes. <laughs> many years ago in an alternate reality. Like, it all just kind of, like, falls together. But, alas, let's not go there. That's if, a mistake. I'll be, like, try to incorporate something that wasn't supposed to happen. And be like, we'll write a fic where, like, all the Weasleys are sitting down to dinner and Maggie comes walking in with Snape in her arm and they sit down and halfway through the meal someone's like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Angry Snape walks in and looks at the table and sees the other Snape wearing red velvet. <laughs> Who the hell are you? <laughs> no, I, can, I, can, I, I, I can't say what it is on the podcast because it's a... Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. And as they're trying to sort that out, Harry and Draco Snape and, and the one from a year like now the other shows up and he's wearing the Ward Cleaver. Lord Cleaver? Lord Cleaver. Lord Cleaver. Oh, my God. We should really do a master fic where all of the different characters like... And then like the Melinda one where Harry comes walking in and he's got the walker with with, with 
he's been kneecapped. Because he's been kneecapped and he's got crawling with his walker. Oh, God, that's funny. Okay, how am I supposed to do this... five different versions of Snake? That's time? your job, man. This reminds me very much of an episode the, um, of... The uh, POU one, is not POU, um, Psychic Serpent one is Scottish. Oh, yes, Campbell or something. <laughs> yes, it says Campbell. we a lot. No, uh, this reminds me of an episode of Stargate SG-1 where there's some weird thing going on and they start getting SG teams from all these different alternate realities and you have 50 of the same character in a room. Well, that, that happened on um, Star Trek. Worf was everywhere. It was weird. That's awesome. <laughs> same episode. But um, it's like an entire different universe, and the only thing that's different is his orders are painted green. Like, I don't know. Like, it's it's just weird. It's, I think Very it's nice. tremendous waste. Well, that would be two drinks. One for you, one for me. There you go. Yes. You're going to be so sloshed by the end of this. You're going to forget to put gas in your car. <laughs> no, oh, I have no. a full tank. I'm good. <laughs> for now. When you drive, it uses up the gas, so you have a full tank now. Thank you, P.S. <laughs> when you drive, it uses up the gas. <laughs> and that's, that's how your car goes. <laughs> You're the stupidest Wait, podcast hold, hold on. on air. P.S., you need to expound on this. Tell us how a car goes. Okay, it, it uses up the gas, and it has... It's called a combustion engine. Now, combustion is fire, so I don't know. I guess there's like a little <laughs> tiny fire in the engine. You open your hood and a flame shoots out of that. Not big enough. There is a small fire. <laughs> and P.S. is driving down the road, this flame shooting out of her engine. No, it's <laughs> fine. Know, it's supposed you know to do what that. Excuse me. The gas tank is in the back of the car, but the motor is in the front of the car, so there must be some kind of tube. And again, the internet is not something that you just dump something on. It's not a big truck. It's, it's a series of tubes. Wouldn't the gas tank explode if there was fire? No, no, no. The gas goes along the tube to the front of the car where the motor is. A series of tubes. And when you turn the car on, there's a spark in the motor, and that makes the car go. Or makes the car, it makes the car turn on, and then you, you put your foot on the gas, and it must do the something. Gas, gas, or the accelerator. Well, actually, no. You have to. You have, you, well, first, you have to back up. <laughs> yes. Do not drive through the front of Radio Park. <laughs> Melinda's writing this all down. Jessica goes I, over the morning. I don't actually know how the car really goes. I just know it needs gas to do so. <laughs> you got behind the wheel this of a is... car and drove to Montreal. <laughs> I have to find. This is like the Merchant Marine. It's very scary. No, and, this, and, I will and, say and, again. And, the stupidest design. thing about PS being a Merchant Marine is she says on air, "I can't tell the difference between a toy boat and a boat boat." The combustion engines are heat engines driven by. Oh, the you heat. can't wiki it. I am not wiki it. I'm not. Why would you think that? Because you're wiki. It's like the time you wikied Advent. Remember that? Yeah, I thought I forgot that one, didn't you? All right, getting back to the fic. I, I have a point about the fic. Go, go. <laughs> Tell us, Sue. I really like the the scene where they're talking about Fred's last um, thoughts about Ginny's boyfriend, and he had a way of, you know, mm-hmm. ferreting him out and everything, and they're going Fireworks on and on. Fireworks in enclosed places. And Harry's just shrinking lower and lower into his seat. <laughs> and, and Ron's falling on the floor. He's laughing so hot. Yeah, and then finally they the find out. they drunk enough, they don't work it out. Yeah. Well, my thing was, I figured they knew. I figured there was a joke on Harry the first time I read it, because they were dating for a month back in in his sixth year. So I just figured they might piece it together. Apparently not, because there was nobody around, aside from Ron. Well, I don't know. That's not tuck, because when the battle happened and Bill was hurt at Hogwarts, Harry and Ginny came in together after Dumbledore died. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and I just feel I don't I didn't have the impression everybody just left immediately after that. So I think it would have come out that, that Harry and Judy had been dating at that point. Well, granted, then there was the year there was the year apart when when Harry was off, you know, doing God knows what, and maybe they just figured that they moved on or, or whatever in that year. But I thought I, that was my first. Well, I, I had two thoughts at first. First, I assumed it was a joke on Harry. Then when I realized it wasn't a joke on Harry, I was afraid it was going to be a fic about how Harry defeats Voldemort and saves the world and then spends 45 chapters hiding from the Weasleys because they're going <laughs> to, and there'd be like slapstick comedy, you know, like Harry, like he, he has to pretend he's dating Hermione and it gets awkward because yeah, Ron wants to come on all the about, dates. You know, post Death Hallows fix, it's like, okay, the books are over, there's no more Voldemort. What is your plot going? Then, like Harry opens a bar and it's like cheers. You know what I mean? Like I was af- like I was afraid it was going to be something weird. Like I know Kezo would do. actually. I, I don't know. Maybe Kezo would do that. I have no idea what Kezo would do. Just jumping back for a second, I looked through the chapters and Harry only calls Molly mom that first time and once when he is delirious. Well, then the so chapter ends in fifteen with him calling Arthur dad. I would prefer Art because I would I would just find that incredibly amusing. Because that's what Clark Griswold calls his father-in-law. Arthur. Art. Dad. Thanks for being here. The little lights are not twinkling. I know, Art, and thanks for noticing. For those of you who are fans of National Lampoons, it is... Yep. What, oh, what the hell is the name of the damn company? It is... And you want to be my latex salesman? Homeaway.com. They rent out houses and play. Like if you're going on vacation, you rent a house instead of renting a hotel. They did a Super Bowl commercial, which was a skit, and they got Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo. And they basically they do. It's available online. It's like a 13 minute film about Griswold saying the worst hotel ever. And then they go the home away and they rent a house or whatever. But it's 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 absolutely freaking hysterical. If you get a chance, definitely watch it. The shower scene. Oh, that it. was so good. They're in the smallest room known to man, and Clark it's the sneezes. Room. The, the Napoleon suite, and like Clark sneezes, and four people are like, "Bless you!" And he's like looking around, like, "Where are these people?" Because the walls are paper thin. It's really good. You have to watch it. Back to whatever the that was, we're back on the Vic. Okay, just because you have never seen a Clark Griswold <laughs> movie does not mean it's my fault. I told you to watch them. I told you to I watch have, that. I just have seen that particular bit. Yeah, I told you to watch um, National Lampoons, I told you to watch Christmas Story, and I told you to watch Elf. Well, it's not Christmas now, is it? <laughs> it was when I told you to. <laughs> well, I'll watch them Interestingly next, enough, I'll watch them next time. And the European Christmas. vacation, too. There's Big Ben, there's Parliament. Well, yeah, there's Parliament. But interestingly enough, those three movies that you just listed off come in a triple pack, and I bought that for my girlfriend for Christmas. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, really. Well, next Elf time, let's send one to PS2 while, while Amazon.com is shipping. I showed Christmas Vacation to my kids this, this past Christmas, turned it on, and there's a lot of swearing in it that I had forgotten about. Of course, they picked up on everything, and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, of course. I, I love oh, this. He's just going on and on about his boss. Yeah, and he uses every swear in the book. I'm like, okay, but we're not going to repeat any of that on the bus, are we? Uh, the minister who uh, married Danielle and I used to be the intern at Danielle's church, and he had asked Danielle, will you help? It's, it's, Danielle's not Catholic, but it's like their version of CCD classes. And he asked Danielle, would you help me teach the class? The topic for that week or that month or whatever was you know, the various forms of love. So these are all younger kids. Like I think the oldest kid may have been like 11 or so, and Danielle decides we're going to watch Love Actually. 
and we're going to talk about it. C- completely forgetting the subplot with the two porn stars who are humping each other during the entire thing, <laughs> but are afraid to talk to each other, and they're the shyest people. And, like, right before we end, I'm like, when was the last time you watched that movie? And she's thinking about it. She's like, holy crap! So they had to watch something else. But <laughs> I'd like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here, tonight. I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there on Melody Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head. I want to look him straight in the eye. I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is. (laughs) Hallelujah and holy shit. To which Randy Quaid says, okay. That That was what we were all wondering. I had to look that up. I think it was around dick list that we figured this is really too good to be true. That's funny. <laughs> Scott, are we quoting? <laughs> well, I come back and that's actually what death thinks so of You never know. Scott's like, I hope they're not mad with me for taking off for a moment. Puts this thing on dick list, spineless. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I had to go to the men's room. I'm in Canada. We pee a lot here. Canada's nice. I love Canada. I watch a lot. That's where Homes on Homes is from, and he freaks the crap. Oh, I watched Homes on Homes the other day. They discovered carpenter ants. It's not a good thing. Ew. No, it's not. It's very angry. So I did love the first chapter because it's like waking up now. I did love that they that they um, drank to rebuilding, to living, to brotherhood, to Fred. And it's like, what do you do with that? And I think that one thing that Kez does really well is she addresses the fact of who the hell is George without Fred? Because you mm-hmm. know yeah. them. I, for years have maintained that George is a different character from Fred. It's kind of... They are, and and there's differences. George, because they are different. Yeah, but it's still two halves of a whole, and it's still got to be just horrible. A single. Yeah. George is physically incapable. He's psychologically incapable of speaking in the singular. And it just Mm -hmm. tears me apart. It's so sad. And and you know it's true because Fred has always been there. Even from, you know, like five minutes after conception, he's been there. And it's. it's, Twins that, that, that go very much. They don't want to be the same. You know, they'll purposely dress differently. One will cut their hair. One, mm. I, I mean, I, I have friends that have twins that some of them very much want to be separate. But then there's others who get on very well. And, and one of them's Fred more book smart. Yeah. I mean, they, they even, they did everything together. They, they were, yeah, they, they are, enjoyed they taking each other's place. They, mm-hmm. they worked together afterward. Yeah, they, they were definitely a very connected set. And I, and they would finish each other's sentences. And I don't, I don't know when, when it happened. I know it's mentioned in, I think, the chapter three authors know, but Keza has lost a sibling uh, to cancer. She lost a sister. And that obviously influences her writing you know, of this. I know, you know, in Melinda's um, fic, which will be hopefully published by the time this comes out, because we're very slow editing over here. Before, you know, she, she, she addresses, I, I, may, I have to make 20 references, and she said she'd do it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. She said tw- Melinda, now you're you making me sweat, Ryan, because you're telling so much about it. Now it's going to have to go up. Exactly. If you finish this story, I will write a Harry Ginny book. <gasps> oh, yes, that blackmail. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's 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 my wager challenge. If, if you finish the story, <laughs> it, it's a, it's a, it's a very good story. But I want the, Melinda is me, and Ryan is race. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm just. I could picture that for a second. How is that? Oh, 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 right, right, right. Yeah, that makes sense to me. 
Sorry, I'm just act. Um, I finished my drink, so my brain is a little slow. I get to meet her this weekend. You get to meet her? Oh, right. I get to meet. Yeah, she because she moved. She's oh, very cool. I'm trying to get Abby and and on it too. So oh, awesome. I love that when the, when the Puffwanians have little meetups. And Speaking of, when are we going to F1? Scott and Sue, hold a second. Um, when's a good weekend for you guys? Ryan, you could just go pick up P.S. and take her with you. I'm going to, because last time P.S. tried to walk home. I'm like, P.S., get in the damn car. Yeah, just but- fix the seatbelts first. Exa- well, there was that part. P.S., if you want to go, we can drive you in the Mini Cooper. Oh, okay. All right, let's. You'll fit in the back seat perfectly. Okay. <laughs> you won't even touch that's, it. That's that's exciting. Not tomorrow, but then there's no more Caprica, so I'm free on Friday. Oh, I love the title of tomorrow's Caprica. Yeah. What is so, it? So tomorrow's end of, the end line. Of line. No end of. I line. watched the one, and now I have one more, and that's it. You can't just watch Caprica <laughs> like starting in episode nine. Watch Battlestar Galactica, Sue. Sue, you really should. You I really watched should. the old ones. The new, watch the new one. The new it's one's better. a little bit better. The new one is good. I. I would actually like to see Sue start watching Caprica without having seen it. My father is. That would be interesting, because that was always my My, my, my father about... is watching Caprica having seen only the old Battlestar Galactica. Well, no, it is. It's like, That's cool. It's like You'll you, have to keep us you start a story with, with a culture dying, but you never know that culture, so then when you go back and see what it was actually like, it's, it's lost. And that was the... Well, I was very lost, but I <laughs> the, only, the only, only holdover is, I mean, you know, he knows what the colonies are, and he knows who Adama is. Right. Well, I thought it was funny, too, that Wolfie's um, Skype message the other day was, she almost shot the dog. <laughs> Holy shit, she would have shot the dog. And my question continues to be, why the hell did that dog not run away and, like, black hide? And white, the black and white dog. Oh, that was the dog is so cute. Caesar. It, it, it is the cutest, it is the best doggy actor that I've ever seen. And what do they Caesar do? They shoot at him. good actor, good dog. Well, he's well-trained actor. He doesn't run when they shoot the gun at him. <laughs> They probably added the shot sound in the ending. Oh, sure. I hope so. I don't think they're really well, fire. They could be firing. He has a starter's pistol. That. I mean, like, they don't actually use I guns. doubt they shot at the dog. Let's make that very clear. We're not accusing yeah, Ron Moore. Yeah, the would be all over them. Oh, well, they didn't show anything on camera, per se. No, I, no, I honestly wonder if it, when they have guns in movies, is it a sound they add, or do they use a starter's pistol or something? I think they probably have some sounds. Well, they don't want to blow the set up. I mean, they're not going to... I know it's not a real... Harry Potter does. Oh, yeah, they blew up Hogwarts. That was a lie. That was a rumor. That's not true. They didn't blow up Hogwarts? It didn't catch on fire? No. Did you guys hear that Madame Trelawney's back? She has to shut crystal balls and rear gray back. Yes. Oh, they, that's cool. They had that on because she said she wasn't going to do it. Now she's I'm coming glad back. they kept that. Oh, they got everyone. Well, they could easily so have had like you know they could have had Dan Radcliffe with long hair on from like, the top reused, of the school. And just I hope they reused lavender because that that's why she did it because they because he. I just love the fact that they're skin. killing. I just love the fact that they're killing Goyle because everyone was like, "What are they going to do if they can't bring Jamie back?" But I'm like, "There's a replacement idiot built in." Use him. <laughs> Goyle was supposed to die, and and possibly um, Lucius. Yeah, they're gonna kill. Um, they're gonna kill him. That's so weird. I think so. I like that. They're gonna kill. Lucky. I like that a lot. I was they, disappointed. I wanted in the... to give him a really cool death scene because that's what Jason Isaacs has always wanted, and I think he would. He's been such a cool Lucius. He's been so he into been. it. You know so what would be interesting? Let him you know, have it. You know what would be interesting if, like, he died saving Draco or something like that. Like, well, you know we talked about well, this on my list. Actually, we had a long if they, if they, um lessen the impact of what Narcissa did. Narcissa saves the yeah. world. I mean, that's... No, I, I had a long really talk about this on the on the list one day, actually, and I think we, we came to the conclusion what they're probably going to do 
is have Voldemort be the one to kill him after Harry, Ron, and Hermione escape from Malfoy Manor. Yep. That would be the most logical spot for him to, to go. And that we'll see it through a flashback or a vision that Harry has. And then Narcissa will still be alive, and the, la- the only thing she'll have left is Draco, well, so then she'll the, save. The, the question is, is are we is he actually going to get his death scene? Because from what the article said, it's like they just told Jason Isaacs, okay, you're done, we don't need you, we're going to kill you off, or whatever. But but they didn't have him come in and actually film the scene. I think they should let him film a scene. Well, they Absolutely. could. Yeah. Or they could do a thing where, you, unless they do something where it's like, you Voldemort, Lucius, I'd like to see you in my office, and like, you know, like, <laughs> or something like that. But it was Jason Isaac's idea, so I think that they've got to have some sort of. Thing. I hope he so. wouldn't I have gets to given them to that come. idea and then not. Wait, if they said if they're bringing um, Horace back, <laughs> See, like, I don't think they mentioned how it. meekly they say it is Horace going to be. Yes, well, has a one track mind. Comes back <laughs> and saves everybody. Well, that was more Bellatrix, but Horace did help too. Bellatrix, I'm nurse. Bellatrix. 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 I did love the point in here too. I, I just love the fact. That yeah, I want my bitch scene with Molly. I, I really can't wait better for not that. Mess that, up. that would be awesome. I know, not my daughter, you bitch. I still think, knowing what we know from canon, not from the movies, not my daughter, you Scarlet Woman, and then just like. I just can't. I just go. Even if there's no horrors and stuff. But um, just getting back to it, um, I, I want to talk about that a little bit more before we break for the evening. I did like the fact that um, she puts the, the bit in about how Voldemort honestly does not understand love of any sort, because, and neither does especially Bellatrix, because there's no way you would almost kill Ginny and then go face Molly in hand-to-hand combat. Because you don't yeah. understand anything about a mother's love. And I liked the point that Harry pointed out to Draco. You know, because Draco found him that was... down at the lake and said, oh, well, everybody loves you. And I, you know, I don't know anything about it. And, and Harry said, your mother loves you more than you think. Did that feel like a weird scene to anyone else? Because yes. You know why? It was like the only time, well, the only time they see each other, well, maybe not. The only time they see each other, I think in the fic, is at Malfoy Manor. And they have Harry, Ron, and, and Hermione, like all bound up and everything, like shoved mm-hmm. in front of Draco. And he's asked, do you recognize them? And, and he th- says no. He, he says no. That wasn't a fic, Ryan. That was Deathly Hallows. I know it was Deathly Hallows. Yeah. I knew what I was <laughs> I'm like, Melinda's <laughs> not going to out me. I know she's not going to out me. And that's fic written by J.K. Rowling. I mean, it's, it's, it, well, it's, it's odd in the canon because you, are, you, you expect, you know, Lucius and Narcissa to, to, to throw Draco to the wolves because that's what they do. No, I, I think that's worth something that Draco, or worth considering that Draco. Well, no, no it was. Yeah. It, it's that Draco did that, and then he sends back. Hermione's I mean, I wand think and Ron's it kind wand. of does to show the difference between, like, show that Draco is more like Narcissa than he is like his father because Draco didn't give them up and Narcissa lied. Well, you know what it was? You know what it was? It was in the canon. I can buy, you know, all the fan fiction we read, everyone predicted that Lucius would turn against blood for Voldemort and the, and the Malfoys would turn against Draco you know, to, to, to keep their stature. And they did exactly the opposite. Everyone was wrong. In canon, they would give up everything to protect their stature. I their wasn't wrong about it. Well, you, there I, was you. There was you. I don't know how much it is Lucius. I think it's... Well, Narcissus certainly. But, it, like, the ending where everyone's celebrating in the Great Hall and they're just sitting at one of the tables, you know, not knowing what to do and not knowing where they stand anymore. I mean, that was a different I choice. I that, though. Yeah, I, I mean... That, I mean, that they're allowed to just sit there. It's like, sorry, but Lucius, not Lucius broke out of Lucius. jail. He should have to go back. Narcissa yeah, gets away. Narcissa 
Marissa gets a waiver. Well, then in this one, in, in this one, in, um, in Kez's story too, like, I think it's, it, it was a weird ending for canon, so then it's like, well, what do you do with that? I can buy that in 19 years we get to, um, platform nine and three quarters and, and like with Dudley kind of just nodding to Harry and having like a, a non-aggression pact that Draco would kind of do the same thing. I can buy that. But we're a few months away and you've got, it's just a Malfoy male drawn in Hermione back there once. I took it to be Draco. But Lucius is out, so I can't picture Lucius, you know, letting bygones be bygones, but apparently he he does. What I thought was weird about the scene was that I, I loved the conversation, I loved what was said, that, you know, that Harry's telling Draco that his mother's love saved the world and saved him and everything. It just seemed like their only interaction to that point was, and correct me if I'm wrong, that scene at Malfoy Manor where he doesn't give them up. No. Draco tried to kill him again back at Hogwarts. Remember back in the room? With yes, the in the, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. So it was. Oh, yeah, because then I completely changed my mind. He just gave them up because he didn't give them up because he was a chicken. Yeah, it's, you know, it's like I felt like there should have been one more scene there, or maybe you know, at the maybe there'll be you know this overarching plot in the story. Then at the end, Draco will come out kind of on somewhat good terms. My question with the wands, though, wasn't that he was returning the wands to be a nice guy. I thought this was all during. The, the trials where they were trying to figure out, like, if Lucius was going to go back to prison and what's going to happen. I, I, my impression was that he returned the wands trying to show a good faith, trying to make himself look oh, good. Oh, I didn't get that. I got that Harry told the truth, you know, for Draco and, to, and said what Draco actually did for them and that that was kind of like a non Because there's even a line, if Draco can let it go, so can I, or, or so can we. Mm-hmm. But you're right. The, the, there's the fiend for a scene where Draco's... It's weird. No, the, no, this, yeah. no it was. It, it's, no, I, I fully think the reason, now that you remind me of what happened in the Room of Requirement Holland, I fully think that the reason he didn't give them up is because he, at the moment, when pressed with the choice of letting them be killed on his... He couldn't do it. He wouldn't let Dumbledore die. He wouldn't die. do it. He, he wouldn't, wouldn't kill direct, Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't directly do it. He, he keeps trying. But when he's faced with it, he won't break. He tries to kill. He just can't do it well. Draco has him. a conscience. Can you picture Draco? Can you picture Draco working in a deli and he can't kill the lobsters? He can't put them in the little oven. <laughs> like he's like <laughs> working in a kitchen where Draco <laughs> is a chef. I have to do right. this. Like he just can't. <laughs> but doesn't Harry? And I don't know. It's been a while since I've read Kenneth. But doesn't Harry save him after yes. the room of yeah. requirement? Yeah, pulls him out. No, he doesn't there. He goes back for Draco. Not there. He sees sees Draco trying to save Crab and Goyle. He he has got Goyle and he's looking for Crab. And he he grabs Draco. I'm talking about later with the fighting. And he comes up, Draco comes up against, I don't know, Death Eaters or something. And doesn't Harry save him then too? No, Draco didn't fight the Death Eaters. He was hiding on your side or something. Yeah. But they were still coming after him. They weren't listening to him. No, he, he, there was, there, there was, there's like no Draco between the fiend fire and the very end. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. I just don't um, Harry saves him. I thought Harry shot a spell and saved him. And Ron and Harry are on a broom or something, and Ron's like, that's the second time today or something like Uh, that. I don't remember that. I thought. I'm looking it up. Because we must know what happened. Right? Yeah, and and the Death Eaters are going to 
they're going to attack, and Ron's like, don't get us. Or Draco's like, don't get us. We're on your side or something. Right, and then they went, Wait, after, went is, past him, and they went all right, for this Harry. Is, this is from um, Harry Potter Wiki. Later that same year, during the Battle of Hogwarts, Draco, along with Crabbe and Coyle, chose to remain in the school as their fellow Slytherins evacuated in order to bring Harry Potter to Voldemort. Given Lucius Malfoy's previous remarks, alluding to forgiveness, it is likely that Draco was doing this in an attempt to redeem his family in Voldemort's eyes. However, he no longer exercised the same degree of control over his friends that he once had, particularly Crab, despite Draco yelling at him not to kill him. Crab shot dangerous curses at the trio, including the killing curse and Fiendfra. Crab was unable to control the latter curse, and the room of requirement quickly filled with fire. Draco went out of his way to try and save Crab and Goyle. He managed to get Goyle, who had been stunned by Hermione during the previous fight, onto Ron and Hermione's broom before he let Harry fly them out. Crab, however, was killed, leaving Draco very upset. Harry, Ron... In Hermione, he later spotted Draco while under the invisibility cloak, pleading with Death Eater that he was on his side. Harry stunned the Death Eater and Ron punched Draco and called him a two-faced bastard. Even as this was the second time they saved his life that day. After Voldemort's defeat, Draco and his parents sat in the Great Hall looking uncertain of their place during the victory celebrations. I, I don't remember the second scene. Well, then it says, you know what, Draco and his family avoided imprisonment in Azkaban due to their last-minute switch of allegiance, but Draco doesn't seem to have a very last-minute switch of allegiance. So, um... Well, he's underage. It's what his parents do that counts. Yeah. You know what it is? Yeah. It's like... Yeah, I can handle the what did Lucius do? And I definitely don't think Narcissa deserves any kind of punishment, because she definitely helped Harry out, but Lucius, Lucia I think, yeah, I don't get why. I don't get how we consider that Lucius switched allegiance. He sucked as a Death Eater. He got fired but for incompetence. Because he didn't kill any Order members, is that why he's considered not a Death Eater? Literally, he got fired for gross incompetence by Voldemort. That doesn't make him an Order member. I mean, that I think people. Well, no, it is. I mean, no, no, I can't. No, no. I, I can't. Voldemort is an evil Dark Lord. He kills people. He fires. Well, that's true, too. But Lucky, Lucky made it that alive. What can I say? But I guess my. Issue... Well, that's why he's lucky. <laughs> <laughs> they call me lucky. But you know what? I can't fault Keza because it's like I read the canon and I still can't figure out what the hell happened. So if she wants to include that scene, that would be fine. But I don't. Mm-hmm. I would so say we game. all. So, so <laughs> say we, we all. So say we freaking all. No one can figure it out. Apparently, 20 years later, they're nodding at each other. So something happens. So I don't know. So I did like the part where they sat around in chapter one. Yes, we're still in chapter one talking about all the great things that Fred did <laughs> and the fact that he like wouldn't turn the car on when he went to, to save Harry from the Dursleys. So I'm, I would have loved to see where like George had to push the car four miles down the road before <laughs> Fred would turn the damn thing on. I would have loved that. Um, so he doesn't know how a car works either. <laughs> he's got, he has, Percy is the most drunk one of them all. Exactly. I love that. Percy's very... Keza writes Percy. Percy, fair. I love Percy. He's so prissy. He's so prissy. I I have to ask this question. Why is Percy using Jenny's full name? And maybe I'm misremembering canon, but when did he ever do that? That's weird. He's very, mo- he's very mother dearest in this. Like, yeah, he's very I would love Keza to write like a know, Percy like sex scene because it would be hysterical because he would be like reading the manual. <laughs> like, I think that'd be absolutely hysterical. And he's still with Penelope. I got a kick out of that too. Yeah. Um, and also, I say, um, in addition to Percy calling Ginny by her full name, something else that bothered me was Hermione calling Ron and Ronald, which is a movie thing, and it bugs the hell out of me to see it in Vic. Well, I think that the one thing so, I know is that, like, has to put in quotes from the, the, the Order game, and, and she does incorporate a lot of um, movieisms and, and things from movie the movies into the framework. I mean, I'm 
relatively okay with that. Cause like for me, it was kind of geeking out trying to figure out what she pulled from where <laughs> I, I can get that. I just didn't personally mind that one as much. Although I did think it was hysterical that you've got the um, premarital sex issue between Harry and Ginny and between um, Penelope and Percy. <laughs> and Percy's like, we are, you know, he's giving the, the manual reason for why we're waiting for marriage and Harry's talking to, to Arthur. What do you think we should do? <laughs> and, and, also, and I thought it was absolutely hysterical too. It, it, like just between the two of them. And then I'm picturing after the end where Penny was already pregnant. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Apparently it would work the other way, but you know, who am I to say? So I thought that was good. Alright, so I'm moving on to chapter two here. Chapter two is fine. Mr. Weasley refers to Harry's activities with his daughter during um, Deathly Hallows as, you mean when you ditched her? Yeah. <laughs> so Mr. Weasley bluntly. I love the way she writes Arthur and Harry's relationship in the thick. I it's think very it's cool. great. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. very cool. Well, I love the part. I'm, I'm jumping way ahead when they're discussing Ginny. Ginny brings up her sex life at the table. I thought, I'm like, oh, I love Keza. I've always had a thing with Keza. But today, like, I love Keza, but I really, really liked her today. And, 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 oh, the sex life at the table. They get angry when so many little things happen. That was a big one. And, and Molly's like, Arthur, say something. Do something as she's screaming that you know my sex life is my own business arthur do something oh of course you're right of course it's your because he's not listening and he has, he's not paying any attention whatsoever and it even mentions he's afraid of making her more angry everyone is afraid of Jenny. i liked harry with the baby Teddy. yeah yeah that is so cool cute and how his, his initial reaction is to panic because there's crying women. Yes. I'm not good with them. And then they, they hit him a baby. And I like his initial, like, what do I do with it? <laughs> right. Yeah. You can write it two ways. You can write it as, um, you know, Andromeda is the Mary Sue that she was in Stealing Harry. And she's got everything together. And she's already painted Teddy's room. And she's enrolling him in kindergarten already. And you, you can write it. In you know, that way, where Harry stopped by any second Tuesday you would like, and, you know, I have a picture of you next to Teddy's you know, crib, and I will speak of you often, but it's basically Andromeda's kid to raise, and, and Harry's very removed, and he gets to play Quidditch and stuff. I really like the way it is here, where Andromeda just lost her husband, she lost her daughter, she doesn't know where the money is, she can't find the microwave, and, you know, everything's falling apart, and the kid won't stop screaming, and, and she forgot to pay the electric bill, and all this stuff is happening. And... She can't do it by herself, and Harry doesn't know what the hell to do, but Harry's kind of thrown in there as well, and he not only gets to be the godfather, which I think is an insanely cool plot point, but he he's responsible for mm-hmm. for Teddy as well. And I like the fact that Harry is responsible. You know, I, I my, my take from canon was that, you know, he would spend a lot of time over at the Potter's house, and, and, and he had that relationship with Harry, but I never got the sense that Harry assisted in raising him. Which, I don't want a story where Harry has a kid right away, but... Yeah, see, that's another interesting thing that different, you know, different people interpret things different ways. Because I've definitely read fix where people interpreted the intera- or the um, references made to Teddy in the epilogue as... took They took it as that Harry had indeed raised Teddy. Well, I didn't take it that way at all. I know, um, neither did I. I'm did. just saying I'm surprised by the amount of fix that... No, because they said he comes over for dinner once a week. At the at Harry and Ginny's house, that's not. He's out of school at that point. I don't know. I've definitely all I'm saying yeah. is I definitely seen fix where Harry seems like Harry is Teddy's. Well, it's like Neville's raised by Grant, but it would be like if he had that cool uncle that didn't drop him on his head. You know what I mean? So I think that <laughs> that would be. The, I I think that I really love the concept of Teddy, you know, in the canon and then in the fandom now, where 
you know, it, life comes full circle. And it's like when the son becomes the father almost, and you realize you're now that guy who you always looked up to when you're the same age that your dad was. And I just love the fact that Teddy has no one just like Harry did. And well, yeah. not 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 technically true. The the symmetry between the two characters is very interesting. They were both orphaned in the war, but they were right. both left with only a godfather and a family friend. Because Neville sticks his oar in the water here and says, you know, he's got us. Yeah, he's got me which too. is imperfect symmetry as well. But then you have to imagine no, that Neville because had this Teddy whole... has a has right. a, a grandmother. Well, grandmother who loves him rather than an aunt and uncle who. Yeah, Don't. my notes but, are just completely wrong. They say, <laughs> Teddy, they say Teddy's got Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> Devil's wow! No. I just called you Devil. I just called you Devil. It's like the love child of Death Roll and Neville. I apologize. Um, <laughs> wow! Wow! Where's Reno when the butt baby's Hadwig. coming? Hadwig. But <laughs> no, can I just tell you, my um, my text reader actually did Hedvig tonight. I was like, well. Hedvig. It's like Hedvig. Hedvig. <laughs> but um. I, I know this. It's when you, you have three options with with Harry. He can either have his own kid right now, which would make she want to jump off a bridge. He can yeah. either raise Teddy. You know, he gets to be like you know stealing Harry all over again. The Godfather raises the baby, or okay. it can be um you know that Augusta. Now I'm doing it. That um in drama that does everything, and Harry can come over or once every few months. Could be shared custody. Yeah. And I don't want it to be shared custody. Yeah, I don't see. I think I just think it is so bizarre when that people interpret it to mean that Harry had raised Teddy. Because I mean, he's you just know, a kid. You know, I when you you take on the responsibility of being a godfather when you swear before God that you're going to take care of some kids if something forbid happens to the parents. Um, no, I, I don't find it hard to believe at all. I find it very easy to slip into Harry's mind here and go with him on this emotional roller coaster he's got here, and I take all of my own emotions toward my own godchildren with me, and the result is me sobbing my eyes out again. Well, it's like Thanks, when, Kessa. when, Thanks. <laughs> when <laughs> it's like when um when Jen's son Lee was born, she asked Danielle and I to be the godparents, and I'm like, I live on the other side of the country, and I can't like I feel awful, but like every like I have his picture plastered all over my room, all over my desk. Everyone thinks it's my kid. It makes it awkward when I'm trying to explain the difference between Jen and Danielle. But you know, I and I send them stuff all the time. But it's like, it's like hard because it's like I want to fly down there and like yeah. So I like I always talk to him online and say he has. No, I'm a crazy guy on the other end, but yeah. No, it's like when I try and no. explain to people, this is this is the mother of my child and this is my wife. It gets weird when I when people get <laughs> confused. The, That's not what you say, Ryan. Because I don't want to get into the whole godparent thing around my coworkers. Because then they'll be like, "Oh, it's someone I met online." Um, <laughs> I keep wanting to say it's my friend's son, and I keep saying it's my son's friend, so I look like a weird <laughs> skeevy dude to a bunch of small children. On this computer. So he, he didn't recognize your voice last yesterday. It was very sad. It was very sad. Well, he was also screaming at anything, so I don't think he really was paying attention that much. <laughs> he was not a happy camper. He was not a happy. Jen Does he just, like think you're the man that lives in the computer? I, I don't think yes. he's not. I don't think he's not big enough. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know yet. But it was really funny because Jen. Um, was feeling, feeling very nostalgic for the end of Puff Flight, and she sang a song. She had the she piano in there. She wrote and in, in, in recorded. We recorded a song um, that I'll air at the end of the last episode of Puff Flight, and um, <laughs> Lee is screaming in the background, and she forgets, and she's hitting the wrong key on the piano. I'm like, oh, this is so Puff Flight. Your life is completely is, collapsed. That's right. absolutely the way that we need to that's absolutely the way we need to be like well, burning. The sad thing is, is that she is writing this to actually do a really nice job and sing it 
for the last thing. And Ryan's going to put up the, the fake version where she's just trying to figure it out. And oh, by the way, Scott, she'd love to talk to you about it. I have one more thing on, on Teddy and Harry here. Go for it. Uh, it's a question, actually, for the panel. Do you believe that Harry would rush to the Department of Mysteries to save Teddy from Death Eaters? Yes. 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 Absolutely. Wow, that was quick. Okay, duh. <laughs> no, he even... Right. He even... He, I think... I was, I was hoping for a little more discussion there, but we're all in agreement. <laughs> I, I think Harry would race the Department of Mysteries to save Romilda Vane from Death Eaters. I, I mean, it's think, not... A big, I, well, maybe I think not he would rush to save just about anybody, but, but yeah. he'd get there quicker for Teddy. Especially Teddy, because yeah. Teddy represents the life he never had. Yeah. And, Five minutes before this chapter, maybe not so much, because like there's a definite arc for him just in the last five paragraphs of the chapter because he has no idea what to do with his baby but then he gets basically enthralled by him and refuses to give him up so mm-hmm. Listen, and Neville's that. like oh my god it's your kid and Harry's like that's the other fic <laughs> and then he looks down this is why Ginny loves <laughs> I'm like I've read that thing well that's great Harry's yeah. like Neville's like you might want to teach him not to change quite like that well I love the thing at the end too where, Harry, where Harry's like I want my son to have black hair and brown eyes so everyone can tell him he looks like his father but he has his mother's eyes see how you like it <laughs> I thought that was great well no, what I really loved about the thing and what Cassie did a really good job at so many times, like how many fics have we read where the characters, you know, their, their stomachs are turning over in knots, but they have no idea why. And we'll have, they're all like, you know what? We're going to have children with each other. That's it. Get over it. Like Harry's like, yes, I'm having children with Jenny. And everyone's like, oh yeah, yeah, that seems perfectly reasonable. Like it's not like he has to hide it or deny it or do I really want to spend the rest of my life with them? Like you could actually argue it goes so overboard and, 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 and they, 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 I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you every chapter, which is fine. But I like the fact that they're not questioning and they're, you know, when Harry mentions their kids, Jenny's not like, <gasps> Because she's thinking the same thing. So I, I like the fact that we get to jump ahead a little bit. Sue, you ready for nostalgia? I'm ready. Fire. That's wow. Jen right there. Although what will happen is she'll be on the podcast the week after that airs anyways, probably, so it's not really that big of a deal, but whatever. It's not like we're leaving. I mean, it's not like we're... Oh, are you like crying, P.S.? A little bit. Oh, P.S. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not like we're completely ending. We're not completely ending. This is a Puffle exchange. We're just Melinda gonna... is going to release her fic. <laughs> and we're going to come back and cover it. When is your release fic? And wait, and Butterfic Weekly, the next generation, is going to come and Beyond Puffwa. We're just moving to a different building. Exactly. It's yeah, like, we're like Happy Days when Richie Cunningham left. I don't know. All right. What chapter are we on now? I'm on chapter two. But Sue, jump out with what you have. The Teddy thing. It reminded me of the fic that the peons did, the old generation peons did, called oh, Mike yeah. and the Baby. Yeah, I remember that one. Called what? Mind Minding the baby. baby. And it's, you know, Harry would come over every once in a while and or once a week or whatever it was and spend time with Teddy, give Andromeda a little bit of a break. And, you know, they had the mother's apron where they had the place for the wand that was out of reach so the baby couldn't get to it and, and all that stuff. And it's kind of the same thing where 
um, seeing Ginny with the baby just made him want one of his own. Not right away, but, you know, and that's kind of the same as what is happening here. Yeah. And there's a scene where Harry's basically saying, I'm sorry, everyone, for being so emo. But then he realizes that he hasn't seen Teddy in a few weeks. He's like, I can't let, and you can tell he's thinking about Remus at this point, I can't let my own depression and my own, you know, funk interfere with what I need to do for this child. So he basically takes his ATM card, throws it at Jenny, says, take whatever you want out of checking. And he's like, yeah, I'm going over. And he flies to, to see Teddy, which I thought was a great... Um, I do like how he's trying to... He does it a little much. He compares himself to all the father figures he can think of, but he's trying to be as good a godfather as he possibly can. There's mm-hmm. a scene where he's terribly worried that he's going to be too much like Sirius because he's a reckless and he's going to rush into things and he'll trip over a staircase and get himself killed or whatever, you know. Well, it's the same thing and, Death World just said. You learn from the mistakes of those who came before you. Who thinks Harry would do the exact same thing? Every hand shot up instantly. I mean, <laughs> it's, every, he's going to do exactly the same thing. I mean, that's... Yeah. Well, Teddy well, is a little probably he won't take care be of Alteryx the Strange in front of the arch, but, you know, mm-hmm. he could run into something else. Very easily. Well, he could just go play Quidditch. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't he fall off the broom and end up in the hospital wing again? <laughs> of course he did. Quidditch. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Well, then there's Harry. He doesn't hug it in the common room because I've been carried in everything. Yeah, they're going to start putting out a net every time Harry gets out of room. <laughs> Usually yeah. Dumbledore stops him when he falls off his broom, but unfortunately he did. <laughs> there's a lot with corpses in this story, too, because I really did think that George is, you know, George was just laying in his suit on the couch for like an entire night. And then George there's this Red. Fred, Red. Who, the other one. And then there's when the Harry. Yeah, Harry walks Harry. up to Dumbledore's grave and he's like, and it was so hard for Harry to look in. I'm like, I hope he's not decomposing or something. I hope there's a spell in there because he's just lying open. Well, he did. He took out, when he took out when, in Deathly Hallows when he came to steal the wand. He, he opened up the tomb and there was Dumbledore's dead body. Oh god, it's not the tea. No, you know, there'd have to be a spell on. It's a spell. It's, it's, um, what do you call it? Incorruptible. Well, maybe there's a spell on for. I really think the Freds. I think they just all played checkers and, and chess or whatever, <laughs> and Fred was just lying on the couch. It does not reference a casket of any they kind. They do that, Ryan. Back in olden times, the body used they to be waiting wait right at the house. Yeah. They, I, mean, they, they, I, I, they kept it. I don't know. I don't know how they did it. It never really occurred to me, but they I know that they laid it out on the dining room table. They laid it out on the dining room table. Yeah, people's houses. Well, then there's the scene, too. It, it was like a puffwa afternoon. It's like Molly's crying, and there's a swamp in the kitchen, and like Muriel's throwing and crap through the flu. I'm just picturing them walking in with the corpse of Fred Weasley at the same time, and I'm like, oh my god. It's literally the worst day in history of the world. Ray Stevens has a song about that. Of, of walking through with a dead family member? <laughs> uh, no, about waking the person and then something happens and he sits up. Well, that's why they had a bell in the graveyard. Yes, that is. Okay, I couldn't remember his name, so I had to look up Don't Look through Ethel, so now I'm going to look up Ray Stevens. All right, I'm moving through chapter three here. Hey, Melinda. Yep. Remind me again why Hermione is considered the brightest witch of the age, because she lets slip that Harry got hit with the killing curse in front of Molly! (laughs) (laughs) Molly doesn't like you to go outside without putting on a sweater! Well, she had to find out eventually. That'd be great if Harry pulled a Reagan right there and was like, Honey, I forgot to talk. (laughs) I mean, it was hysterical, but... (laughs) <laughs> it was funny. She does not deserve her reputation. I'm no, sorry. See, 
sometimes you can be smart and not think. Well, yeah, I, Hermione has done things like that before. Well, it's like when, she's, when she has all these really, really annoying habits right in the beginning of the first chapters, all I can picture is Keza is just sucking up to Melinda right now. <laughs> I do love this one here. This is Harry and Ginny talking in Chapter 3. Harry, listen to me, Ginny said in, as she stopped and turned him to face her. We don't have to know all the answers now. We don't have to make our plans now. We don't have to be grown up now. Let the Ministry figure out how to rebuild. Let the mm-hmm. adults do it. They've done it before. You can help them. You don't need to help them. They don't need to help you anymore. You said you don't have anything to, to do alone now. Let someone else do it. She suddenly looked very small and it seemed as though a veil of sadness had suddenly been drawn over her face. That's usually the conversation the character says when the other character realizes, I have to now do it. Because it, it's interesting for Harry to say, let someone else deal. I'm just going to go watch a lot of MASH right now. Well, then I actually did write to Keza saying, I have a question. In canon, did they actually, Harry, not go back to Hogwarts? Her response, I misread the interview. But it's a good <laughs> thing I did it that way, or else it would have been a very short fic. I'm like, all right. So, enjoy. I prefer seeing go back to Hogwarts. I prefer it not because he's trying to avoid rebuilding the ministry, but because he just wants to play Quidditch for a year. Yeah, that's, he just that's wants why. to be the normal I, kid. Like He's never had, basically, a normal school year. Yeah, yeah. yeah I wish he would have gone back, but once she said that he didn't, I always... Uh, well, I, I life is easy. Like, defeat Dark Lord. Check. You know, stop people from killing puppies. Check. Like, there's things that you kind of know how to do. You overthrow government. Yeah, Check. but it's not like, okay, how you rebuild the ministry. You're picturing Harry before the budget panel. Like, it's like, there's some things that don't have training for, or, you know, you're just not naturally good at. You're I'd love to see a crack fic where he had to deal with budgetary matters, and he's like, why did I want this again? Exactly. He's like, this inflationary pressure. And he wakes Here up and he goes, oh my god, I'm Percy. I hate my life. He starts calling Ginny Ginevra in bed. It's bad. He gets, oh god. He gets a report on Cauldron Bottoms. <laughs> There's a scene later that comes out. Ginny was, the, the brothers were teasing her over something else again. I don't know, but she got very weepy about it. And I was like, you know, I I remember thinking at the time, why is Ginny taking this so seriously? I think this has probably been going on all her life. She seems usually tougher that she can take this. But then when when he got upstairs, it wasn't that they were teasing her. It was that it was Charlie and George doing it. It was supposed to be Fred and George. And that just struck me. I thought that was a great scene. I was like, oh yeah, that, that," you know, I didn't even think of it at the time. It's when someone else... Yeah, starts doing something for it's like if you have a family member who does X for you every week and then they pass on someone else picks up where they left off and it's there it's fine for them to do it but that that's what they do that's not your job that's yeah, their job it's, and, it's wrong and you can't not have someone it's pick wrong. it up it's just relationships reforge and and, and the gap mm-hmm. is made up and it feels like that person's being replaced I'm looking I do at, like that it's Charlie though it seems that it would it seems to fit that way so. it would have I mean for mm-hmm. Bill is the is the patriarch of the family, you know, besides Arthur and Percy, it's definitely not going to be Ron. I mean, Charlie's just natural. I think replacement there. It reminds me of a fic Beyond Cast we haven't yet, but it'll be probably a few weeks. And they have George, Fred, and Charlie are in the short Weasley's club because all the other ones yes. are the tall and skinny oh. ones, and they're the short That's and muscular. Charlotte squeed when I told her I was going to do that. We were going to do it. Well, I love the part. I'm in chapter three now where Ginny is basically saying, My own brother died, and I was very devastated by that. But when I thought you died, Harry, I fell apart. And, mm-hmm. you, feel, and you feel guilty for that. And yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you feel incredibly guilty for that. And 
she makes the comment, I'm just so glad it wasn't you, and all these people died, and I'm just so glad it was them and not you. And I don't think she ever says, I was glad it was Fred and not you. I'm looking through the exact... I felt like I shouldn't be glad because so many people are dead. And, and I'm, I'm glad, glad it's just it's not just you. them and not you. Yeah, and, and never comments on Fred, but then a few scenes later, Fred is saying basically to Harry, I wish it was you dead and not Fred. Why did he have to die and not you? Which is a horrible thing to say to someone, but it's so natural. My father and yeah. my father and my uncle had heart attacks the same day. It was very interesting when people came to visit them in the hospital. They look in the next like Uncle Jim, <laughs> like it's like you see that. And my uncle had a stroke. They both had bypass surgery. My uncle had a stroke, you know, as a result of bypass surgery. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I love my uncle. I remember thinking to myself, you know, thank God it wasn't my father. And it's like you stop and you think about that. You're like, that's like I'm wishing it on you. It's it, it's a weird way to think, but you make these comments in the back of your head and here you have the characters saying them out loud and especially in George's case he's screaming it in a crowded you know great hall it's 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 what you're thinking but it's so raw and it's so you know inappropriate yeah. to say but but these people have just been through so much that they just say it and it, I, I, I love it. I love the, you know, I can comment on maybe it's too much, maybe it's, you know, the character's a little too emo, but that's just, it, it, it's... I love it, that whole scene between George and Harry. I, I thought that was just a... And Harry feels bad. Done. George shoots him, and he, like, gets a head injury, and, like, for the four... Oh, gotta get him back up to the hospital wing, and they all, everyone take your positions, and they move him back up to the hospital wing. And even after that, he feels guilty for what he said to George, and they're like, yeah, um, he shot you, yeah, you win. Yeah, his George is new and fresh, but it, it made, I don't know, and it not that it, it it made sense though. I thought I thought it was very. And I was an uncomfortable scene to read, but it, it yeah. seems real. And the first right. time it's I read it, words on both sides. The first time I read it, I, th- I things about their feelings. Yeah, the first time I read it, I thought it was too forced. Like, because it was really trying to force the. Con- I'll the agree that. But then I read it a second time, and it didn't seem as forced. And uh, and obviously the, the the conversation they're having is that George is saying, "Well, you never had parents. I had Fred. You know, my loss is 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 very strong." And Harry saying, you know, at least you had some time, I had none, you know, mm-hmm. th- and there's that difference there. And neither of them is in a position to say, well, it sucks for both of us. It's like, you know, yeah. my, like, it's like I'm waiting for them to get a tape measure out. I mean, it's just... Well, I like how in that moment they sort of confuse it and it starts, they're talking about George and Teddy and it morphs into George and Harry. Mm-hmm. Where was that? I don't remember that. George because yeah. the, the whole thing they're started all, because they're George over makes an off. Whoa, 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 whoa. Everyone's, okay. talking, everyone's talking at once. <laughs> George makes an offhand comment about Teddy being lucky that he'll, he'll never know his parents to miss them as deeply as he himself misses Fred. Yeah, right. And Harry really takes exception to that. Yeah, which is a. Yeah. That's natural to go because it's oh, George. It's great. George isn't it, talking about Harry. He's saying, "Well, this other kid who's not you isn't this great that he's yeah he's gonna... not thinking beyond that." And I actually say this in my notes: they get into a pissing match over who's worse off. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's human. It's but it's very uncomfortable to read. Yeah. But I, I do have to say about the one thing that Harry says that's over the line. I mean, did Harry really forget that Fred was dead? I mean, really? Because he Sometimes. says, take the one person who's been with you since before you were born, take it. them away, and tell me that's worse. And, of course, that's exactly what's just that's happened. That's exactly yeah, I, what happened. I, I, I don't think he would have forgotten that. I mean, we've all said things we don't mean in the heat of the moment, yeah, and then I mean, think that like yeah. But that's but a very—I know what you're saying. That's like in the—I know I'm misquoting Melinda's that thing. Is like when I said earlier, "Ma, no one died." That's an—it's it's a four-word, five-word sentence. But then when you think about it, 
you know, you're saying this is the woman whose son just died. It's not like, Ma, picture you had a son, and picture he died. Like, it's like that's, you really have to be dense to say something as detailed yeah. as that. Yeah, it's, it's, uh... Yeah, read the line again if you can. Take, it was the line. Um, but see, he's thinking about himself. Yeah, yeah he's thinking about his own, mother. The loss of his yeah, own he's not into what's going on with George, thinking about I think, I think everybody, I mean, yeah, I he think says, it was this line just in particular. Hold on, Death Row's Death Row, you just... I'm sorry, um, whoever's reading it, just sorry again. Yeah, he, said, he says, well, you just try it, George. Just try it. The one person who knows you better than anyone else, who's been there all your life, the person who's been with you since before you were born, take them away and try and tell me I don't know what I'm missing. And right. it's not George's mother, but because Fred is his twin, they have been together since before they were born. You know what's, yeah. you know what's struggling about that line? It's, it's, you know, take the person you've known all your life who knows you more than anything. What was it? What was the line? Knows you more than yourself. Knows. Who knows you better than anyone else. Yeah. I, like, I find it interesting that Harry would say about Lily, who knows you better than you know yourself. Lily yeah. never got the chance to know Harry. It's an awkward phrasing. It's almost like, yeah, it's like what Death will say. It's you're pushing too much for it to be. You know, you know what I think it is. It's a deliberate parallel. Tessa, I mean, I say this as a writer. I think when you're trying to, you know, write something to be, you know, meaningful to the, the, so that the reader gets it, I think she intended for Harry to not realize what he was saying. But I think in the way that when you sit down to write something like that, it's really hard to do it so that the reader gets it. Mm-hmm. She didn't intend for Harry to know what he was saying. Oh, I definitely yeah, agree with I that. It, but it was this line in particular, I'll agree with Ryan, that made this scene, this part of the scene, feel forced because this particular line was just so oh, awkward. Oh, and, yeah, and it was yes, the break. I'll agree with that. I'm just saying, it, I, if it it sort of, some... I can sympathize because I know how that happened. I'm trying oh, to think of too. what I would have rather have Harry said at that point. Yeah. Something less um, going on and on, but just like with the same sentiment. Melinda, yeah. you're going to be my guinea pig for the evening because I love your fix so much, and you have to just release the damn thing. I don't care. Just write. Who cares about doing people's tax returns, Melinda? Come on. <laughs> but um, there, Melinda, I have an incentive. <laughs> there's there's even a great moment in in Melinda's story where um, the 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 Grangers are not pleased with what Hermione, because it, it, it's almost like you can't protect your own kid, because, you know, you, she has to basically shove you in a box and shove you down the river, because you can't handle this. And there's a moment where one I, one character says something, meaning one thing, but it comes across to the other, like, oh my, I can't believe you just said that. And, I mean, that's the moment. I'm trying to picture what Harry could have said there, because Lily to Harry is very different than Fred to George. And it's trying to, you know, you have one character that you've I don't even know how I would, just sitting here, I don't even know how I could have phrased it better. I mean, I feel like it is forced, but I don't know what immediately. Uh, um, yeah, I, but know, I had I, the same trouble with it. It's it's the weakest link of a very strong scene. It's like you wish you could think of a way to do it, but then you'd have to kind of like unravel the whole scene and put it back together. And I don't know. I'm how saying it's Cause, cause I, I do saying. that when I read fix where the, the prose is not as tight as it could be. Exactly. I'll just rewrite it in my head as I'm reading it. But I, I couldn't do that with this line. I couldn't figure out what else could be said there yeah. to convey mm-hmm. the same point because it's a break point and I, mean, I think it, it I would just I right. might just trim from it you know make it less long it's too long yeah like well like what is I've, I've lost I don't, person I don't know you better it. than anyone else and maybe just just and then tell me I don't know what I'm missing just you say something like a person who's there from the beginning of your life who's supposed to be there and forever, just, who gets who gets me, taken away from you too soon, or something like that. The for me is, like, tell me I don't know what I'm missing. That's, to me, the most 
important, important part. Like that, that's the only way you could have done it is to do something like exactly like that. Say, you know, someone who, you know, they're, they're taken away from you, you know, too early and you don't know who you're, how you're supposed to live with. Oh, no, actually, you want to do that because Harry's a baby. I mean, I don't. That's the point where he switches from talking about Teddy to talking about himself. Well, you know what it is too? In one of those, like, these characters. It's hard to take just one line by line and pick it apart. So you kind of got to take the scene yeah. as a whole. And, I know. And I, I we, think we are being so really unfair. Well. Yeah, really <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is like me and the damn comma. I mean, the, the, the thing is, too, I mean, that well, was the it, moment. It's a part J.K. Rowling's characterization. So. Yeah. I mean, my thing was when you. My point with the scene was that it did feel forced when I read it, and I'm trying to explain how maybe it could have felt less forced. I mean, but it felt a little forced that one moment. And there, I think the reason is when people have comments where they're starting an argument, and then you realize, like, both of them have to realize they're not talking about what they're talking about anymore. They're talking about something else. And that's why if, if you believe that someone would rationally now realize that we're talking about something else, you would be consciously keeping that in mind. And Harry is still talking about the original topic, which comes out. When I read this the first time, back when she was writing it, I had the impression that this scene took place in the living room at the Burrow. And it wasn't until I was rereading it that I was like, oh, wait a minute, they're in the Great Hall. And I don't know how Mm -hmm. I seen things go on and on after at Hogwarts. So I don't know how I had that so mixed up, but I did. Time between chapters. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, that's probably it. Is this the fic again? We're done. Yeah, exactly. You do that thing. Yeah, we're being really unfair with that. But you know what? It's... On a completely different note. But we know Kisses. Is your thing on this particular moment right here? No. I got so one last thing on this. Yeah. It's real real quick. Uh, after the nasty confrontation, Harry turns his back on George, and I gotta say it's a shame Moody isn't there to turn George into an iguana, because George hexes <laughs> Harry good, and Harry winds up in the hospital wing again. Okay. Harry turns his back on George somewhere beyond the veil. You hear the no, words constant vigilance. <laughs> he goes to the hospital wing. He ends up back in the door, but I like that fact that they comment that he can't go to the hospital wing anyway because it's full. And George tries for six days to apologize, but every time he gets near Harry, everyone, everyone like beats him with bats. Well, you know what it is too? It's, everyone's like walking on eggshells around George because of what happened to Fred. <laughs> Once you shoot Harry, it's probably the best thing. It's probably the best thing that George needed to be treated like a human being and not be treated like. Are you okay, George? You want some pumpkin juice? But like <laughs> that gets a little old. And here, of course, um, Harry's slightly delirious and thinks whoever's yelling at George is yelling at him. Yeah. And goes into his guilt fugue again, which he does often. So well. Yeah. The bit I was going to comment on was the very first line of chapter four is Molly yelling, where have you been? And I can't help but hear the line from... Where have you been? (laughs) Chamber of Secrets. Where have you been? No note? Harry gone? (laughs) Car gone? No, car gone. Car gone. I was was adapting it for the situation. You could have been killed. You could have been seen. We need to call Julie Waters because I don't think any of us are capable of repeating that line. <laughs> uh, we'll just grab oh, it. Oh, I can't wait in. to see her off Bellatrix. 
I moved so over the. So say we all. I moved up to chapter five here. I do enjoy this scene, and I'm sure at least Melinda will as well. You can't talk, Mister Snogged, in every corner of the common room. Retorted Ginny. Hermione rolled her eyes at Harry behind their heads. That was different. Ron protested. That was that was your fault. Oh, don't start with me, Ginny hissed. I didn't make you do it. I suppose you're going to tell me Snogging Dean in the middle of a public thoroughfare is an inappropriate display of affection. Ron retorted. Dean, hearing his name, looked up as would I. As the look on Ron's face most clearly resembled apoplectic, Dean stayed silent, wisely choosing not to get involved. Inappropriate? <laughs> you want inappropriate displays of affection, started Harry? He affected the soppy tone. Oh, Hermione, let's not worry about poor Harry and his little saving the world quest. Let's have a big snog in the middle of a battle. I had to watch that, you know. Quidditch cup common room, Ron said without missing a beat. Even Harry considered that for a moment. I thought that was great. <laughs> I love that. Dean stays silent knowing that in some other universe he's having children with Judy. Exactly. They're biracial. <laughs> They're lovely biracial children. But no, there's even a point here where, where she compares Ron to like, he's doing his best Molly Weasley impression and I'm picturing Ron dressed up like Molly Weasley. <laughs> wearing this. I thought that was great. Yeah, I like a lot of their character moments in here. She really yeah, gets yeah, down. That's very. That's a rocks. It's interesting too. They're all they're all eating in the great hall, and it's like a Weasley family dinner. But they're still like Ravenclaws doing homework. Like it's very. Like, <laughs> it's like I know there was a massive battle, and the terrorists attacked the school, and like you know all this crap. But we actually need to stay till the end of the day. Like it's just the so newts cool. are coming up. We have to study. <laughs> all the kids are like they have post traumatic stress. It's just a, it's a bad situation. Harry's like the, Harry's the Quidditch captain. Harry will return, which I, I was waiting for him to find a graceful exit. And I'm like, oh my god, I think he's actually coming back. <laughs> I liked when McGonagall gives them all points, and Ron says, "Cheer up, Neville. At least Hermione didn't have to knock you out this time." <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. I, I, apparently, defeating Voldemort equals infinity house points. They're even like, look, <laughs> show of hands, who thinks Gryffindor is not going to win this year? <laughs> Do we even need to have the ceremony? <laughs> Whatever. You win, we lose. That's it. Moody's not Dumbledore around to do that thing where he's like, even though Slytherin won and we're all decorated for Slytherin, I'm going to change the rules. Can I tell you a friend? I, I gave my boss the Sorcerer's Stone DVD and I'm like, watch this. This is what Harry Potter is all about. He watched it. He's like, I would be so pissed if I was Draco. You watch. That's not the end of it between the two of them. That's good. That's <laughs> like, yeah, that's what no. set him off. <laughs> <laughs> that's why this. That's why he tried to kill him. He's about to let him go in Deathly Hallows. Then he plugs him. He goes, "Finally, he's like that was for the house cup." <laughs> oh, crackfic. Well, I love how when McGonagall offers him the captaincy, all he can say is, "I haven't got a broom." <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got a broom. <laughs> She's like, "I'll buy you another one." <laughs> <laughs> I can only do so much, Harry. I'm one woman running a school. She's like, oh, by the way, do get a new uniform. Yeah, yeah your laundry charms are doing very good. Uh, <laughs> you need to brush up oh, on I, that. I got this in the wrong order. I'm moving through Chapter 6, and right now he's battling George. I thought that happened yeah. a little bit earlier. Well, I noticed that, but I wasn't going to say anything. It's out of, it, out of order already, I think. Well, it's funny, because oh. it's like 2,000 words, 2,000 words, 2,000 words, 2,000 words, 102,000 words. I'm like, whoa, she really picked up speed in this chapter. Yeah, very much so. But that's what happens when you take your time to do every single word of every single minute of every single conversation. Not that that's 
a bad thing. <laughs> of course. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> Snap. Sorry, that came out a little harder than I maybe intended it to. So I like that even though George isn't really hurt, he's been confined to bed as well. (laughs) Think of it as like house arrest. You're grounded, buddy. Well, you take the boy who lives. You're all intact, the boy who lives. I had a conversation with Keza once, though, how in in Australia and, and in Britain as well, that they're not as quick to send people to psychiatrists as we are here. We get counseling for everything. Mm-hmm. Over there, they tell you, go have a lie down. Mary's <laughs> so yeah. like, I've been having a nap for three months. I'm no longer tired. <laughs> well, the scene here where Harry's sitting on the stairs and they're having a family meeting, Harry has an invisibility club question, Bill. Percy's <laughs> <laughs> like, how come I didn't know about this? Well, I'll check the map. What map? Never, never mind. I like Harry's post-traumatic stress there with the, the flashing lights bothering him and the people pulling wands on him and just the, 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 the panic attack. Well, whose I like brilliant it. idea was it to have the green flashing lights to the fireworks? It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> Turn off the sparklers, quick! And then they're like, hold on, Harry, we're turning them off. It'll be over soon. Half an hour later, the fireworks finally <laughs> I would have, like, whacked him over the head with a mallet and knocked him out at that point. Like, oh my God. <laughs> Stun him. Something. They're trying not to reveal the fact that the Deathly Hallows exist, but it comes up anyway. And yeah. nobody else, everybody else is surprised by that, which they should be. I like that they're trying to figure out a way to get Hermione's parents back, so they come up with this ingenious plan where George is going to spend the year with uh, Ron. Ron's going to... Now, that's canon, is it not? That yeah. Ron, hel- Ron yeah. went to work at the joke shop. Ron went to work at the joke shop, so he, he's on a commission. So Harry is going to go with Hermione before the school year begins to Australia to, to find uh, Mr. and Mrs. Granger. And uh, Ginny will stay behind, but then that doesn't work well because Harry just wants to be with Ginny all the time. So then they're trying to figure out a way to make this thing work, and it basically turns out to, you know, let's go. This is like. Take everyone. Like when everyone loves Raymond, went to Italy. It's kind of like that. It's like we're moving the whole team to Australia. (laughs) (laughs) And Flores says that, like, no one has bills to pay. Why don't we just take everyone with us? Everybody, everybody. Yeah, they'll just use the money out of magic. Out of Harry's fault. Harry, yeah. after Harry, Harry they're using Harry's family Harry. jewels. <laughs> Which is awesome. Yeah. I just thought that was funny, too, that Harry gave Jenny his own, like, ATM card, to, you know, and she's very weird that you think I just want your money, or, you know, it's that fact that Harry has to defend it. I'm just like, everyone's very, which is honestly, everyone's very sensitive in this fic, but that's... Mm-hmm. Well, the Weasleys are always very sensitive about money. Right. Yeah. Although, I would have thought right. that Jenny would have gotten that. Do you think Jenny would have understood that he's not trying to I they haven't spent enough time to, with each other to really, yeah. you know. Well, I've been understand. reading about them for years, so maybe. <laughs> you I, know, I mean, <laughs> we have really, different expectations. Really bought her that much and stuff. <laughs> yeah, they're just starting. I forgot to mention too the uh, Quidditch match. I was very afraid that Hermione was going to have to play. You know, I was thinking that too, and I was listening to it. Picture her from I, after the end when she like rolls off her broom into the water. <laughs> like, oh, did God. I get Hermione in there? Wait a minute. I love Flair. I'll do it. I want to read a fic where Molly's, like, the seeker, or the, or the no, Molly's the beater. Sorry, dear, because <laughs> flying off the broom. <laughs> I, I want to read fics about beater. when Molly was in school, because she would have been awesome. I don't know if I could read Molly Arthur sex scenes, though. I had difficulty with reading. Why do you jump right to sex scenes? <laughs> Look who's in the room. Why do, you, why do you assume it would be sexy? I don't know. Do we need to psychoanalyze Ryan? I don't think so. I read a lot of Melinda Leo. <laughs> that usually comes up. Well, it did in the first one. It did in the second one. Hey, hey, hey. We had sex in the second one. We Oh, the third one. Well, can you not? <laughs> phrase it quite like that. 
can't even see that's her laugh. <laughs> and when there's not sex, there's a lot of tightening of the trousers. <laughs> oh, can I just tell you? I love the point where um, Keza gave Harry. I think it was his, it was his first erection in the fifth. I thought of you, Mullen. <laughs> right. <laughs> she didn't use the tightening in the trouser lot. Like I was actually, it was written so ambiguously. I was trying to figure out if it was something worse, and Keza was making it look like it was just Harry's first erection. Something worse. I'm I'm just gonna leave it at that. Well, it was basically they were kissing. And then she's like, I know you want to share everything with me. I'd love to. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> so I, I did enjoy that one. Yeah, Melinda, we're going to back the tape up. That's going in the interim. <laughs> oh, dear. We haven't had wank in a while. we got to go back to that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that was I love yeah, well, Charlie. Does Harry always fall off his broom? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quidditch match. Harry um, claims Snape's body. Yeah. I thought there I would like have that. to be more... Explanation. I was surprised it wasn't like more explanation than that. It's like when Harry was like, you know, what's going to happen to Snape? And Kingsley was like, oh, the order will do something or we'll. Yeah, we'll just chuck him in a ditch. I thought they were going to say we're going to chuck him in a ditch and light his body on fire, the bastard. And Harry would have to. No, really. You know, he's actually nothing. So I was actually surprised that everything's so clear in that. Harry's first thought is, does anybody even know where he is? Right. Four days later. That was sad. Then he was just lying there dead for a while. Yeah. Eventually came and got him. They left his body on the floor of the borough right next of Fred's. I did love that they um, carved all of the different expressions into yeah. the graves. I, I, I thought they were, for the most part, perfect. It was... Um, Mischief managed is what set me off here. For, the mara- for the marauders. Uh-huh. Oh, absolutely. Honestly, to no I good. solemnely swear that I'm up to no good for Fred. For the marauders got me, too. It's almost like mission accomplished. It's like, yeah, I know. That's, that's, yeah. that's what got me. Yeah, Mischief managed. I love the fact that they put they have a fake um, grave for Sirius so they can all be together. And Harry considered yeah. briefly putting Snape there next to Lily, but then figured James would get pissed. So like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that would be Creepy. Well, you could have gone four rows back or way over to the uh, left or something. But he know. was her friend. I mean, he was her friend just like the others were. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they're not marauders. They're not marauders. And no, was, and there was obviously still, even at the end, never any love lost between James and Snake. I'm yeah, very so. glad that they didn't try and put Peter in there anywhere, too. I'm glad they didn't go too far. The rat? The rat. So. My two favorite were the Mischief Managed and um, the I Solemnly Swear I Am Up to No Good, because they're like, this is rather boring. It's, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> well, days, yeah. well, I love the part too where Harry, where um Harry's standing around and they just gave um Auntie Muriel a heart attack. And Harry's <laughs> Muriel. I would just like to say everyone has an Auntie Muriel. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> oh yeah. And they and they give her the heart attack and then um Jenny's like, You realize you're a pole bearer, right? And like, no one tells me anything and then they go then Ron pokes his head out and I'm waiting for him to be like, Hey Harry, forgot to mention. Would you like to be But I love how they mention well, yes, you knew. No, I didn't. My didn't Dad say you boys are going to be the pallbearer for your brother? <laughs> Ron like whacks him on the back of the head for not getting it. Like you're one of us. I thought yeah. that was. I yeah. thought that was a really cool. You are family now. Yep. Yep. Uh, like I like we could go on. And why on do I it. need pallbearers though? I mean, why don't you just levitate it? Well, I guess many of the occasion. Yeah, it's the occasion. Yeah. By then, this casket got delivered, so there, there was a lot less frightening. <laughs> Somebody had to put the body in there. Well, that, I found that a little odd. Like, it's like burying him in the backyard of the house. Like, hopefully they never sell the burrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, that. well, they're never going to sell the burrow. That's like their ancestral oh. home. I mean, uh, old, these old houses have family. Crips. Yeah. I could see them actually that doing sort a of a of wizard sex. version of pallbearers with, uh, like, all of them pointing their wands at it, levitating Wand. at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just actually say that they carry him out. 
Hold, hold on. Six wizards shoot a levitation spell at a casket. It shoots oh, God. The body of, that's the way that, Fred would want to go. They buried their Fred dead in orbit. space. I'm so sorry. Yes. It's exactly the way Fred would want to go. Hey, maybe that's how they, they do their funerals. They, they levitate the body into orbit, you know, and it just goes off into space. He lands next to Luna. Hello, Frederick. Just, like it's, yeah. <laughs> There's a phrase that gets used several times. The world falls apart. And it called to mind uh, Yeats' poem, The Second Coming, which I would just like to read if no one has an objection. Go for it. Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falcon air. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed. And everywhere, the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. There's so much about the story that... I don't, it rings true. It, it, yeah. rings, it rings very true. I found that place yeah, you were talking about, Death Roll. Someone sent me And um, what was happening when Fred died. And mm -hmm. that's one of the things yeah. I like. I didn't particularly notice it reading it the first time, but going through, I like that she's she's acknowledged that not everybody there knows everything that happened in the books. Like yes. They'll, they will like have to things. It's not like they've all read the books and they're going, oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing I forget, too. It's like the, the scene where I was talking about from Battlestar, where I'm like, I always thought he was in on it. Then you watch it later and you're like, oh, he wasn't? And then you go back and you're like, yeah, I was the, you forget, I was you the only person on the planet Earth who and looked Bill at that is and not thought, watching the show every week. Exactly. Right. And, but the, the thing I loved about it, I've got the entire funeral scene and you've, or the memorial scene, and every other character has to help every other character up to the monument. Mm -hmm. And you've got, you, you, like, it almost became almost somewhat comical at one point because at one point, I think later on, George and Fred, George and Fred, George to Harry is like, we're always meeting like this because they, everyone has to help everyone get up there. And yeah, but making a joke in a time of grief, even a small one like that, I think that's something George might might just do. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's a weak joke, but I, I think it's you know that's that that could be a survival mechanism, a coping mechanism. He's comfortable when he's laughing. Well, she does an amazing job too with George because he is he's the jokester and he's the one who wants at the funeral everyone to be playing rock music and wearing t-shirts and and you're not making it something somber and carving into the into the um, gravestones, you know. I solemnly swear I'm up to no good and mischief managed and all that. But at the same time, he's also the one who looks to Ron saying, how do I beat just me? Because there's always right. two of us. Yeah. And he keeps saying, we'll do this and we'll do that, talking about Fred like he's still there and he has to keep stopping himself. Yep. And and it, it, it's so, just, it, it's just so well done. And I just I just love the, the way that... Yeah. Well, it's, it's a tearjerker. The whole thing, everything about it. The, this fic needs a tissue warning. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I will absolutely say that. Well, Kesta knows what she's what she's talking about. I mean, she's lived through a lot of this personally, and a lot all of us have. And it's you can relate to it very well. And like I said earlier, you have a situation where because every single character in this story has gone through something similar, and because everyone in this story is family, when one person cries, thirty three people start crying. And it right. turns out to be this awful yeah. thing. But at the same time you also have the scene, um, like in this in the story, where um the the kids are all arguing in the kitchen and all of a sudden it turns out you have I can't remember, it's like George and, and Ron and, and everyone, they're all on the floor and they pull Harry down and they're all wrestling on the floor and I think Charlie comes walking and just steps over them and keeps going. It's like, oh, yeah, no, normal, how old are you again? Normal day here. And, normal day. And, yeah, and, and that's just that. And I, 
You know what well, I, mean? I just found I I'm ahead in a couple of chapters. I'm at chapter twelve, and the, this author note that says a portion of this chapter is dedicated to my brother, my big, strong, solid carpenter brother, a real man's man, a blokey bloke, a tough guy who finally cried when my mom played the piano for my sister's funeral because normal is that when mom plays the piano, our sister sings, and she wasn't there to sing anymore. Yeah. And that's I mean that just it's it. That's yeah, it's. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what... And if you didn't know that, you wouldn't think um, someone playing the piano would be what would set someone off. But right. it's it's the association that does it. Do you think that was from Charlie and not Fred? I do like this, where they, they're going on about the book, and there's they've given her the newspaper poster of Harry, and... You and know, he signed it. He autographs it. Yeah, and that was such awesome. a great thing where Ginny had the Harry Potter, um, not the coloring book, but picture like book. The, the Harry Potter picture book, the, the fairy tale book, in the boy Once who lived time, story of Harry Potter. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> His name was Harry he Potter, and he lived with the mean and nasty muggles. <laughs> exactly. And, I mean, and that's who Harry always was to Ginny growing up, and that's like the Muriel thing. You know, you always want your. <laughs> Your kid to marry someone like Harry Potter who saved the world, and, and, and that's how it comes around. Question for you guys. Um, we were discussing earlier, you know, whether or not it was forced or not when in the Great Hall, George and Harry are going back and forth, and Harry says the line about, you don't know what it's like to apply. It's, it's so scripted <laughs> that to set George off that, you know, Harry could not have just said that by accident. The scene where they need someone to get Hermione at, oh, the, por- at, the, at the port key office. And they're like, if only we knew someone famous. <laughs> someone famous yeah, who could use their, 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 their various celebrity <laughs> as they're whacking the newspaper on the table with Harry's face on it. If only we knew someone. If only we knew... Like, I'm like... It's like in the first... Scene. Like a cheap trick, you know, you know like, it was like I, I keep thinking know. the characters are smarter than they are because in the beginning, oh, we we have to find Ginny's boyfriend and we must kill him. <laughs> and I'm like, obviously they're joking. They're actually the wondering. Also, who I mean, is. the characters have not read fifty two thousand picks. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, but the, just you know, there was it was they were drilling at home. Yeah, we just need someone famous. We only politician. No, a politician too. Maybe we can give that. Lockhart therapy and he'll start to be able to talk again. <laughs> and then we can use him. And, well, the thing I thought that, I don't know if it was just me or not, but the scene with Rita, where, um, you know, Rita obviously finds Harry and Hermione and, and Harry says that I'm not available. Av- no, it's not available. Yeah. What was the word? Eligible. And, you know, they get back to the borough and, and, and stuff of that nature. And then it comes out. And, and even Arthur layers, why do you have to say eligible? You, you sound like you're married. When you look back at, you know, at the whole thing. When, when Harry was talking with Rita, if that were me, I think I would honestly give two shits what Rita has to say. I would, like, spray ketchup in her face or whatever. And, like, like you're at the point now where it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter what people think of Harry. It doesn't matter what people think of Jenny. You can get the truth out, maybe. But the... the fate of the world doesn't depend on him anymore. And I just looked at the whole thing like, oh, look, read this up to her old tricks again. And it didn't seem to matter to me personally, you know, nor the characters really. And, you know, there's the part about Crumb saying you, you must get the publicist. But, but Harry's not at that point yet. He's still he's still coping with, with how do I do this? He's still he's still the old Harry who doesn't like all that attention. He'll, he'll grow into it eventually, but right now he doesn't know what to do with himself, so he's not at that point where he can can just calmly take take her. On some level, though, did you think that even Harry took it better than he has before? 
He's obviously um, older, but he seemed like it wasn't as big of a deal as it would have been four years ago. The interview part itself, he didn't like, and he would try to get away from. But it wasn't until the the, the actual articles came out that he he got all upset about them. That was my take on it too. Is like one of the differences because Harry's very different in the story, which I think is a good thing. You know, mm-hmm. he's like that extended scene where he's flopping all around the burrow and he's flying high up in the air and he's coming down and he's like knocking the tables over and he's screwing up Ron and, and his brothers and he's kissing Jenny and you know he's, he pulls up next to Molly. Are you making Dracul tart? You're the best mom ever, and flies off again, and you know everything. And everyone is having such a great time watching Harry be so carefree. No one wants to tell him that he's absolutely messing up everything they're trying to do, and he's like ruining the day. <laughs> and and moments like that, where and, you know he's signing, you know the the, the thing for Ginny, and he, he call, you know Kingsley calls, and he's like he's like I will talk to the press. Oh, um, <laughs> well, I was going to tell you that we're giving your friends and family, you know, well they're the Phoenix, but um. Screw you, you know, for confusing me. He's so much more carefree. He almost reminds me of um, P.O.U. Harry a little bit, just like laughing about stuff. And I, I like that. I like the fact that he's finally reached a point in his life where he's like, you know what? Nothing surprises me anymore, <laughs> which I think is probably somewhat of a good thing. I do I like where there's, said that. Go ahead, sir. Where there, you know, he's autographed the thing and he's going to go do it and everything. And they're looking at him and they say, um, who are you? And, and what did you do with the real Harry Potter? Because he's doing everything that he would not normally have done. Yeah. <laughs> now, who was the one who actually said that? Was it which character says, who are you and what have you done with? Uh, was it Bill? Maybe. What do you all think of Bill as Harry's surrogate mother? So that was interesting because, you know, characters like Bill, you don't really get that much from canons. You could have to pick up little things and kind of let It was them. George who said it. I just checked. Mm-hmm. Sorry, right, what Bill is, is so mm-hmm. used to being the big brother. It's just sort of a natural role that he stepped into, maybe. And I know people like that. Um, my mother's sister, who passed away a couple of years ago, had eight children. And it, it's um, it's the dad, who actually was the one who had the stroke, so he's in a nursing home now. And the oldest brother took on the role right away as like the family patriarch, and he's the Bill of the family. So that, that rang very true to me, that there's like that patriarch. And he, and he treats... Oh, yeah. And Harry does the thing where, you know, he's in bed and, and Bill is sitting up with him, you know, and, and stroking his hair in a non-bagel way, which was refreshing. And, you know, <laughs> until Harry falls asleep and Harry's like, I'm all grown up. You okay? Today you're not. Today you're not. And I, I just thought that was absolutely fantastic that, you know, Bill was able to have that. That little because it's not something I ever traditionally like. Bill's the one who has the the earring, and you know Molly wants him to. to... No, that's isn't that Charlie? No, Bill has the earring. Bill. Dragon yeah. Bang earring. Yeah, yeah, Bill has the earring and the um like the ponytail. And the ponytail. So what's Charlie? Your... He's stout and um, leather, leather and burns. <laughs> he's got yeah. the burns because he works with dragons. Yeah, he's the one that everyone yeah. thinks is going to be hot, and, and you were like, he has third degree burns. Oh, yeah, What's yeah, hot yeah. about that? Yeah, yeah, that, that was true. But but he wears That's a towel. Really- yeah, and the towel, yeah. the third degree burns are very sexy. <laughs> P.S. Your your magic eight ball is definitely broken. My magic eight ball. Yeah, your your cannon magic eight ball. Oh uh, well, I see. I haven't done Harry Potter a long time. Every time you say Bill, the person that appears in my head is Bill Adama. Oh, God! You're thinking of the old man. And the truth is, I questioned whether this day would ever come. <laughs> Dear. Like, I thought he was the one with all the scars. It's unfortunate. <laughs> it's very unfortunate. Well, I love, too, that they were going to have fireworks for Fred um, later on. They're like, maybe we should cancel that. The last time Harry had him down. Yeah, yeah. that wasn't very good. <laughs> Can we take the green ones out? Is that possible? <laughs> did not go for 
Harry runs up the stairs at one point to apologize to Ginny, and like Percy yells at him for running up a staircase. It's just Percy's just so. <laughs> well, Percy, here's a political point. Percy is at one point wearing navy blue dress robes. He had those dress robes in year four. He's a government hack, and he can't afford new robes. What? I He's object gonna... to the use of the term hack, but I take your point, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Bill and Fleur forgetting to put the silencing charm on their room. Oh my god! And Molly <laughs> at the table is like talking about it. It's like Bill, dear. Even I must say. <laughs> well, then there's the scene. I got very confused. There's the, okay. The, okay, we all agree that apparently when you go to your parents' house, which is the size of my Home Depot shed in the backyard, you don't have noisy sex with your wife. But still, you know. So, so they're there, and that happens. And then they go to the ministry, and then they come back, and the house has been burglarized, and the or and like Joe Friday and Bill Gannon are taking pictures of everything, and you know they, they send everything off to the lab to be. And then at one point, um, they say to, I think it's Molly or something, says, get Bill. There's no time to worry about, you know, silencing charms now or whatever. And I know what Keza meant by the scene, but all I can picture was that Bill and Floor were upstairs the whole time. And they couldn't hear the, the whole time, Bill looked like the house was being robbed. The house was being robbed. It's like, damn it, damn it. Molly hisses at Percy and he's like, come on, we're all adults. And she's like, Ginny's not an adult. And it goes on. And- 52 days or something. <laughs> They're watching the clock count like, down. She's had all these children. You know that she knows something about this. And they're trying to figure out why um, Molly finally agreed to let Ginny go to, to Australia. Maybe Dad finally realized he wouldn't need to use a silencing term. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh. <laughs> it's, it's amazing the things they come up with. So when you realize that your parents have sex, it's like, Oh my god, I have to tell a funny story. Oh god, Melinda Leo is a funny parent sex story. Melinda Leo, you have a story. I was sitting with a, my my son had lacrosse practice this afternoon, so I was sitting with his friend's mom, and they're fourth grade. I mean, they're they're nine and ten years old. They're 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 little, but she says, "Oh my god, I had to have the sex talk with Owen today." I was like, "What?" And she says, "The bus." And I was like, "I hate the bus. She hates the bus." So he he got some misinformation on the bus. So she's like, "All right, I had to explain." She says, "But he he really had the exact gist of of how how things were working." But he's 10. He was horrified with the idea. Absolutely, completely horrified. So he's looking at her and he has a little sister. He's like, so you and dad have done this twice? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I didn't know. What was the thing that, it was the thing that Keza had said that time when, when like, the family with, like, the kids and, like, like the 11, 12-year-old kids realized mom and dad were going to have a new baby. And they're like, hold on, that means you were doing it in the house while we were here. <laughs> they were, like, horrified when they figured out the mechanics of the whole damn thing. I like that um, Keza's chosen some of the particularly odd Australian names for to be the places that Hermione's parents are. And Ron, of course, is completely confused. Mm. I, I, did well, it, like, am I the only one that thought Ryan, um, Ryan, Ron wasn't <laughs> that stupid as to think gold, was it gold, Goldfield meant that the, there was money on ground? Yeah, for all, that is a little over the top, probably, but, you know. But muggles are very strange. You never know what they might do. They've got giants sitting around in the fields down there? Haven't they ever heard of a bank? <laughs> Those wacky Aussies. Yeah, I do like that line. Hermione not knowing if Ryan they have money off. in Australia. <laughs> quotes the pamphlet and 
Ron is like, Hermione, I have absolutely no idea what any of that means. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Ron, we understand. Okay, I love the... I, we, we haven't talked about this yet. I love the part where, where Keza works in the explanation for Ron, why Ron is such an ass around Harry and Ginny in every fic. It's because he wants them to work out, and he doesn't know how to express it, so he just gets very angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much I bought into that. Well, I buy into the point into the thing that if it doesn't work out then he's going to have to almost choose between them. So. I mean, and that's fair. I mean, most relationships at this age you know, are not, you know, your final relationship, although you know, these are not your normal people, so it's very possible that the rules are different. But I, li- I like it's acknowledged. I like, I just don't like usually just angry Ron. The characters do a lot of apologizing in this fic. Even when Harry's yeah. not angry, they apologize to him because he looked sad or he looked angry or he slammed a door or whatever. There's a lot of yelling back and forth. Why can't I slide along apparently with Harry? He doesn't know what he's doing! I'm sorry, Harry. I found it interesting that, ha- that Hagrid couldn't fit in the church for Teddy's christening, but he could fit in the burrow. Magic. He would yeah. completely take out the side of the burrow, I think. There's no way he, anyone else could fit in that kitchen. How does Hagrid live? I mean, like, if he can't fit in the church, you know, like, if he can't fit in the church. I mean, I didn't think he was... I mean, yeah. That's why he works at Hogwarts, because it's the only place with doors big. big enough. No, I read the big ones where, where Harry was the student teacher, and they made him the head of Gryffindor because it was down to him and Hagrid, and Hagrid couldn't fit in the common room. But he was a student! He was apparently smaller than that. Like, what do you do? Like, that's, like, way beyond having to buy two plane tickets. Like, like that's really I bad. I mean, I never pictured Hagrid as being, you know, I mean, I guess I pictured it like the movie, but I never pictured him as being, like, freakishly large. Well, like, the movies are consistent. He's, like, eight or well, nine. he's half giant. Come on. What do you, well, what do you know, expect I, half giant to be? Just because he's half giant, I don't think it means he's, like, half the size of a giant. Well, no, but. Because it obviously it, it wasn't like that when we saw Grop in in the movie, but he's still quite a bit larger than a normal human. Oh, definitely. I'm just saying I don't think he wouldn't be able to fit. Well, it's like the, big and tall. It's like the consistency mm-hmm. that you saw in Psychic Serpent. Uh, Hagrid's mother's friend in the woods. Harry's like, go like this. You got something in your mustache. He goes like that, like a rat. It's a lot. It's like you're trying to do your, the math in your head. It's like it says he's almost twice as tall as a normal man. So to me, almost twice as tall as a normal man maybe so, means he's about ten feet. Yeah, ten, eleven, somewhere in the there. The burrow has vaulted ceilings. That's the entire thing. I know what it is. It's because it's a church, and the, the presence of God forbids any matter from working so Haggard can't squeeze inside. He's like looking through the window. Hello. Haggard's Does he have ice cream is... cones? <laughs> you Haggard's... just see one big <laughs> eye peering little... through the window. I mean, like, he shouldn't be able to, if he can't fit in the church, he shouldn't be able to fit in his house. Well, no, his house but is that's not a church. There's life. magic there. It was built by the four founders. It's the original house, remember? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. It's all tying together in the end. And they built 12-foot doors just because. Yeah. Maybe one day a giant. Is that tale of a long time ago? A tale of a tale of a long, of a time long gone. A tale of the thing that tale happened. Tale of a time long gone. Tale of a long time gone. See? <laughs> That's exactly putting, what happened. Putting them both in so you can edit out the right one. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. Tale of something, 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 something. Okay, Dark Cho right. Chang continues to be a bitch. She was a moron before, now she's a bitch again. Well, it's because Harry did hug her when she got the order of murder. I would have loved it if Harry just got so frustrated. He's like, by the way, thank you for telling the Death Eaters where to find us. Thank you very much for that. That was very helpful, you moron! <laughs> thank you for coming to my 18th birthday party. I hope you had an enjoyable time. I love that Hermione has discovered the internet. That's fun. 
It's so yes. wonderful. <laughs> I can type in something and I'll, it's like searching a thousand books. I'm like, thank God we finally cracked the technology. <laughs> wait till she discovers fan fiction. Oh, God. Oh, just, fa- just wait. There are fix about that. I know. <laughs> she finds that doesn't make any sense, though, because I, I hate those things because it's like Blows your they're mind. real. You know, and well, they no, it, it's not that. I, I don't like it when she discovers Harry Potter fan fiction. I like it when she discovers like other fandom oh, that would be that would be cool. Like if she discovered Doctor Who fan fiction. I could totally buy Hermione's. I can see Hermione writing fan fiction. So can I. <laughs> no, I don't know if I can. It's like the, the one where Hermione reads Shakespeare all the time. I don't know if I can buy that. I'm not sure what her fandom would be. <laughs> we, have, we have to go through and catalog all the characters. What's you think she'd be a Harmonian? <laughs> well, we're not going back there. Melinda <laughs> <laughs> well, is Melinda's in the dryer. Melinda's in the dryer. She's very angry at the moment. Well, she's hiding from the harmony. So I have a question. At one point, they mentioned that they've rebuilt number four by magic. Why can't they just do the same with Hogwarts? Instead, McGonagall's asking for volunteers to do manual labor. And I have a question. Rebuild the kiss. This is a stupid question. When did number four Privet Drive fall down? It I'm didn't. not sure. Why are they rebuilding it? Like, at the Battle of Little Winning? Did it whinging <laughs> did, and everything Did they destroy the house when they were escaping on the so. and everyone was disguised? I thought I got there. the impression that that was after they were in the air. Well, maybe in a fit of rage after Harry escapes, they go back and destroy it. Yeah, that was the... Well, I also... That's what Voldemort would do. I can't lie. I also forgot that Ted Tonks died. <laughs> so I'm reading this. I'm like, when did he die? He trip like George when George is leaving the bar. He trips and gets all bloodied, and it looks like a Death Eater attack took him down. Those tree branches. He, well, he was very distraught because of his brother's corpse laying on the family couch. Yeah. Well, Keza does that a couple of times. She'll fake us out with something. She's very shifty. That one. <laughs> yes, she is. She's very shifty, shifty Ravenclaw. Yes. So I sense that we're getting near the end of this one tonight. I. I have to say, this is the last fic that we're obviously covering this season, like I said. It's very well written. It's covering that portion of the fandom that I really want to see, and it's the type of story I really want to see. I don't mind the repetition of the the constant apologies and the constant breakdowns, because that's natural. It's what really happens. Mm -hmm. And... I the want the constant yelling of Ron that he doesn't like seeing Harry and Ginny snogging. Is he and Hermione are humping in the corner? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Much like in the Melinda Leo fix. Just kidding, Melinda. But um, write the thing and I'll stop harassing you for it. Uh, <laughs> Take it if you want to, Ryan. <laughs> Put the comma back in. What I'm really looking forward to in the next few chapters is I really want to see more of Harry in the role of Godfather, because I find that incredibly fascinating, mm-hmm. both because I think it's interesting to read, and I love stories that come full circle. And I love that Harry Potter has come full circle, and he is now the Godfather, and I think that's just great. And I really want to see how the Hermione in her parents' angle is handled, because that is something that I was very interested in when I read it in, in Melinda's story here, and I really want to see how Keza handles that, because it, it really is, there's a lot of room there to, to really mine out some great characterization. So I, I really want this to be a story about that, and I'm hopeful it doesn't turn into you know, the story about you know the Death Eaters attacking and Voldemort's back and all that stuff. So that's where I stand. I love reading ahead, and when you say things like that, <laughs> having to just sit here and go, okay, shut up, Sue, shut up, Sue, shut up. I forget how she did handle Ron and Hermione's yeah. parents. Now I'm going to have to go, I'm going to have to start and re-skim there. I forget I everything. I remember I remember going, going to Australia, and I remember, and I remember them doing things. Don't tell me what you remember them doing. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> I remember, I remember what happened. I always thought it was that old, it was a fic about Australia, some a couple gay guys taking a bus across Australia. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> what? Yes it is. I remember the bus. 
It, it took me, like, most of the way through that little bit to realize that one of the gay guys was actually a woman. There you go. All those <laughs> unisex <laughs> names, what can you do? They tell Berta and they call her Bert. And the other fellow's name crap. is Ernie, and all I can think is Bert and Ernie from Sesame. <laughs> Bert, Bert and Ernie the bus driver around Australia. <laughs> So, I love Bert and Ernie. That would be awesome if they get on the, um, oh, I can't think of the airline. The night bus? No, if they get on the freaking, um, oh, what the hell is the name of the, if they get on the lost plane flying from Australia and they crash on the island. <laughs> oh, you figured it out, Ryan. Darn. <laughs> they, they just use magic to get off. Magic. They're the others. They, they, uh, they, they teleport everybody off. They're the others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's botched memory charms. That's the start Did of the whole series. Did you apparate into a plane that was going down? <laughs> no, I mean, if a tree <laughs> falls <laughs> in an island, can you hear it? No, no, seriously. Suppose you're on a plane oh, that loses control and begins to go down and you're magical. You side-along apparate the people you're with out. Can you then apparate back into the plane to grab more people? No, because the coordinates uh, have changed. It's like in Star Trek when she falls off the cliff and they can't beam her back because she's falling too fast. They can't get a lock on her. When did that happen in Star in Trek? In the movie. It's Which in the movie. Oh, the new movie. new one. Yeah. yeah. Um, face, Amanda. No, couldn't they get a lock but she she hit bottom before they could? No, she no. was because she was fa- it was she while was she was in the fast. process of falling. Oh, she no, was- I, that, that's a new movie thing. Anyway, Anyway, that's, that's what I think. I You'll think have you to watch the movie again, Ryan. But I don't think you could operate into a crashing plane. Could you operate? Who the hell would want to operate into a crashing plane? <laughs> I, I don't know. Don't Harry, know. to rescue people. That's the question, and I answered it. Well, I read a fic once where Harry operated into the Twin Towers to save people, and that was the point where I <laughs> Wow. It was bad. part three of a trilogy. Mm-hmm. The same one where Hagrid couldn't fit into the common room, so they gave it to Harry. That's really what you want. You want to get a promotion because the, the runner-up is too fat to fit into the office. So that's really... <laughs> that, 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 shows, that shows your Worth. That shows your worth. <laughs> oh, cool. well, the bit about ap- not being able to operate into a falling plane, could you then apply the same logic about moving objects? Can you operate onto a boat? No. Oh, P.S. Unless, jumps up. Unless, unless, well, I, unless yeah, the boat's tied up to dock. No, if you knew how fast the boat was moving, then you could coordinate. You can probably, you can probably, here's what I think, you can probably, if it's like a boat, because boats don't go that fast, unless they're speedboats. Unless they're a boat boat. Let's say a cruise ship that's not going that fast, like the Titanic. Wait a minute, you're not going to start having to calculate the curvature of the Earth, and if a plane leaves St. Louis driving 35 miles an hour to figure out where you're going to land. Okay, let me put it this way. The planet, the planet, no, look. look, The boat is moving, the Earth is rotating, the, the, the Earth is moving in space around the sun, and the solar system is moving. The coordinates are always going to be different. Harry would keep operating okay. into the so wall of the world. So if we're all moving, everything's moving, but see, like the plane is crash. crashing so fast. Because for one thing, the plane is crashing, so it would also require him to be able to jump back in time as well. I don't know. I think if you could get, it's magic, so if you could get a good enough picture, if you knew exactly what the room in the boat you were going to looked like, or if yeah. you knew exactly what it would look like out the window of the plane or whatever, you could probably yeah, do it. My issue with the crashing plane isn't really where it is, but it's the time. Like, if you if you yeah. jump back from back to wherever you're going, when you jump I, back to the plane, I think I do it get sort of the idea that you had time to do it. Yeah. If you were trying to jump into the plane as it was going down, you'd end up outside on the wing or something. Mm-hmm. I can see that happening, but I don't know. Very good. And to follow this up, <laughs> there's a follow-up. No, there's there's more. <laughs> could, could you apparate onto the space station? If you knew exactly what the space station would look like? No, you know, my life would be. You wouldn't be back. able to get back. Yeah. You know, this is getting back into the 
<laughs> the question of could the colonial wizard have between colonies? <laughs> no. <laughs> My prediction was app was jumping in Galactica is actually apparition. Because they're yes. all wizards. They are all wizards and that's just they're the all end wizards. of it. I don't care. <laughs> because it's interesting. I care yeah. very much. Thank you, Melinda Leo, for being the voice of reason. <laughs> I think if the space station is in a geosynchronous orbit, you could apparate up because it would be in the same relative position. In How do you get back you if you can't? Do you have to like? Oh my gosh, this explains. Yeah, are you God missing brain. Mike or something? Because this is just too much like Mike. <laughs> These are good questions. I very much enjoy Nitwit Lover Oddman Tweak. I enjoyed that as well. Now, whoa, whoa, whoa! Come on, we're talking about. <laughs> Now, did he carve the Gryffindor logo into Snape's tomb? Hey, I am not the one who brought up the airplane crashing onto the island from Lost. I did that. That was me. I do like the fact that, like, Harry's standing there. He's like, Albus Severus. Albus Severus of the Two Graves. I smell a name here. (laughs) (laughs) See, I don't know why he did Albus Severus. Like, I think he should have, like... He he wanted to get him out of the way with one kid. He could have gotten in on James. Like, it could have been, like, James Albus and, like, you know... No. Severus Lily. Severus Sirius is bad. There's no guarantee you're ever going to have SS another father. son. He <laughs> sounds like a cruise ship. <laughs> <laughs> In this case, um, Severus Sirius is worse than Albus Dave Severus. Severus doesn't work for me either. You know. Who yeah. was Dave? If you just try, if you try and put a normal name with it, oh. doesn't work either. And when so he do Sirius Severus too, like. Yeah, that's what I said. If he did James Albus, he'd have to do Sirius Severus <laughs> or Severus Sirius and Severus. How about is <laughs> how about James? Severus. I think James would come back to life and haunt Yeah, Harry. James would haunt Harry for that. That would just not That'd be, be worse as if he buried Snape on the other side of Lily. Turn <laughs> really? around. Yeah, but when he had James, he had no, you know, no guarantee whatsoever that there ever was going yes. to be a second son. So the two names that he chose first were James and Sirius, which I think that makes sense. Lily Severus? Yeah, that would have been awkward. <laughs> what is Lily's middle? Oh, Lily Luna. Luna. Lily Luna. That's kind of, kind of a cop-out because there weren't any other female characters. Lily Severus is worse than Michael Elizabeth. We get the strangest places. We are, are very str- we are a very strange. Did we ever podcast. find out? But to answer Ron's your question, no, he does not carve the Billiers. into Snape's tomb. No, that's Ron's middle name. Middle. I, meant, I thought I said you said Ron's Ron. kids. Oh, Ron's kids. Well, I'm picturing the scene where no, Harry... we don't know what their middle names are. Where the trio are laying there, you know, on the grounds of the burrow, and they're like, Ron, you know, do you picture yourself having children? He's like, yes, I picture myself having a son named Hugo. <laughs> Where on earth did they get Hugo? You get Hermione. the idea that Hermione came up those two. Well, then they're like, if you let her, if you let Ginny name the owl, you can name the kids. Because that'll work. I wonder what their owl would be named. I don't know. Aldebert or something. I it would like, be like other people. The, the, the owl would be named like Remus Cedric. <laughs> they name everything after the dead people. That amuses me unreasonably because the owl in the King's Quest series of adventure games, there's a talking owl. Its name is Cedric. <laughs> <laughs> after someone who's dead. That's awesome. Alright, I think we're getting very tired tonight. Does anyone else have final thoughts on chapters 1 through 15? Most of which we got enough, to. I finished my notes. Well, you, your notes also had down all Teddy has left is Augusta, which. Yes, I want to thank Kez very much for giving us some aftermath since we didn't get any of the real story. I'm so glad that we get some here. And since we're always looking for more aftermath, how's that going over there? <laughs> You're determined to know that, aren't you? I am determined. It's a very, it it's a very, it's a very good story. It's a very good story. It's a classic Melinda story. I'm very honored to have read some of it. 
along with 43 other people who were in the room at the time. <laughs> I am enjoying it immensely so far, and unless things radically change, and I don't foresee that they will, uh, this will be my accepted version of how it happened afterward. Because there's no reason it can't have happened this way. Exactly. Right. I, I have certain fix that I just accept as, yep, that's how it was. Well, I was like that with Tale of a Time Long, whatever the hell it was called. I mean, that was my... Tale of a Long Time Ago. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Tale of a Time Long Time. You were almost right, right? <laughs> Them old people. <laughs> Aside from that one moment where they made the poor old lady stand in the river. I don't remember that. At the very end of it. it really across the creek. Yeah, to get oh, yes, something oh, that, yes. that could have been like oh. so easily Here. not left. Here's where I hid my stuff. What chapters are we reading up to next week? 16 to 21. Ooh, that seems shorter, but there's probably going to be 18,000 words a chapter, isn't it? Yeah, I think they can I figured as much, see? <laughs> Can't trick me. But it's really a fun section. It seems Sex? Section. All I can picture sex, now sex, is Melinda Leo tonight saying, we had sex. And I'm like, what? The set of chapters has a cameo by Keza herself. Are you serious? Keza shows up. Hello. She did actually write herself. That was supposed to be, it says in the author's notes, can you guess who I am in this chapter? And then she tells you in the next chapter. Editor, edit that out. It's probably going to be Keza. Keza, edit that out. Would you? Oh, yeah, please. God. I really like this the first time I read it. I didn't get all the way through the chapters on my reread today, but I love the emotion in it. She brings you to tears, but she also makes you laugh, and I just... It's really, really great. And, like, we're ticking around about our thoughts on, you know, like, one sentence of a really great <laughs> For, like, fight. half an For hour. half an hour. But it, it's, it's honestly... I like but, the rest of it so much. Yeah. Anything yeah. that yeah. jars the slightest little bit has to get picked on. Yeah, more. and it's like, honestly, it's like we're only looking for the things that could even make it better. And, and you're absolutely right. I felt like, you know, Stealing Harry was a great story, but that we're all talking about, you know, what's on the Food Network tonight because we liked it and that was it and there was nothing we really wanted to, you know, expand on this story. There's just so much there. That, you know, yeah, we're breaking it down to the base level and picking apart single sentences yeah. this is, in this terms is of like wider concept. Of we have come full mm-hmm. circle. We have come yeah, full circle. it is full circle. It's great. If there's a whale we have six here. episodes on this. We're not going to take, like, how many for after the end? Sixteen. 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 There's got to be a kangaroo somewhere. After the end to get the whale, and there's that not actually a whale in the story. Oh, you didn't know that? You should have asked us. It's near the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's a gen thought process. I know, I, knew, I know that now, but I, I didn't realize there wasn't actually a whale in the and I read it, and I was like, where the hell is the whale? Okay, it's- can I just say one thing? I just remember the scene from this. Okay, this is the weird scene for me, all right? Harry and Ron is are in bed. Is this scene? No. Harry and Ron are in bed, not together. Harry and Ron are in bed. <laughs> See, that's how she loves. Harry and Ron are in bed, and they even say they had a, it was a long party, and they both fell into bed. So I'm picturing they're fully dressed, <laughs> laying on the bed. Apparently, that they are in the nude. So they just fall into bed, and Hermione knocks on the door, and they don't answer. So she does what, you know, it's totally natural. She blows the door off the hinges. Think about that for a second. She blows the door off the hinges to have a family <laughs> meeting about how they're going. Harry and Ron are. 
We're going to Australia a week from Friday. It's because they locked it. She can't open it normally. Well, my question was, if the woman's at the ministry right then and there, what time is it that you're both in bed in the nude? Well, if they fell asleep, Could have been know. sleeping till 9 or 10. And yeah, they would have been sleeping till That's noon. Fair. They were That's probably Come on, they just the saved the world. Let him sleep in for a week or so. <laughs> but does he have to do it, Nate? That was my yes. question. Because then I'm thinking, maybe when, just... when you, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I if I was, you know, that tired that I would just, you know, fall into bed without doing anything, I would not. I would probably still be dressed. I probably wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I was going to remove my clothes, I would put on pajamas. I wouldn't just. Well, they only had enough breath, and and they were only awake enough to do the clothes removing spell. They just didn't quite get all the way through the pajama <laughs> on spell. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I yeah. think that's sort of suspicious. Well, what it is <laughs> is after he died and had to be naked in, in the afterlife, he. He uh, is very uncomfortable wearing clothes when he sleeps. Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just Dan. He likes to have his clothes off. Dan, Dan <laughs> likes to. Dan infected the character of Harry. To jump back just a little bit to Jen, which I probably shouldn't, but I just got a message from her and the surgery went well today. Very good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, she's had the same surgery like 19 times. Well, no, what was it? The first time she went to have the surgery, she passed out. So she had to like pay $50 and then have the surgery in the hospital and they like forgot her. So she was like laying there for four hours and like, hey, you have to leave. Sorry. I'm amused by their awkward entrance line in the kitchen because that just, that just happens. You'll be in the middle of some weird conversation and something will come up and you notice other people. Ron's been picking at Harry constantly coming down the stairs about whether they're scrawny or not and Harry is like, I don't know if your bum's scrawny, it's not your bum I'm looking at. And then they realize, hi, Auntie Muriel, <laughs> like everyone's over the house. Well, then there's the thing, too, where Molly keeps threatening to um, hex Ron's fingers for making rude gestures, and Harry makes one. I'll hex yours, too, and Ron finally laughs. Because the first time she doesn't mention it, and then he does it again. And yeah. yeah. Well, I still love the end. Arthur, do something. Um, you, Of course, your sister's right. He, he's obviously not paying attention. <laughs> they're, they're all rhythm very, very well. So anyway, I think we're all falling asleep here, so we will get going and we will be back next week for chapter 16 through 21 and um, we will try and find the one sentence that we don't like in, out of those <laughs> out of <the> <laughs> to pick words, apart and pick it apart as we enter our final five episodes. the final five I just wanted episodes. to say final five because the editing this has no idea what that means have a good night everybody good night good night we'll enter go to bed so hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. Okay, so this does not bode well that I send a note to the author of this fic and say, are there any insights? And she's like, um, did I write that? Oh, <laughs> What are you talking about? I got to tell you, it was hard. It was hard to listen to. Hold on one second. Okay. I'm going to call Scott. Uh, If I can find him here. Hi, Abby. Hi, Sue. How are you? I'm good. You don't have to stay on mute. It's cool. Okay. I was on mute. I was threatening my son. You're always threatening your son. She rules with an iron fist. I do. The only way to rule. (laughs) Yes, it is. If not, he'll walk right What are you ruling? My son. Uh, are you really downstairs, or are you going to go back upstairs, Scott? He's good. No. Okay. I'm really downstairs. Hi, Scott. Hi. Welcome to Beyond Cast. Thank you. I'm excited. I can't believe Kessa can't remember this story. I gave her the wrong name. Ah. <laughs> that may have something to do with it. Well, it's up on Psy as tradition.
So once I said it was the song fix, she knew what I was talking about, but she didn't know what I was talking about when I said it for Psy. It's the first song fix she ever wrote, and she hates song fix that have lyrics randomly placed. And Scott, this is the one you and Jen sang, is that correct? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that it needs to be added Maybe to the beginning <laughs> before, well, we could. before we do it. I think that would be cool. Mm-hmm. I don't think she actually uses any of the lyrics in this. It just follows it's through some of the things that happen in the song. Yeah, I don't think it just like follows a little bit of the story, but it doesn't yeah. use any of the lyrics. Thank mm-hmm. God. That's a basic song fix like that. <laughs> yeah. If you can get it into the situation, it works. Like, if they're I mean, actually someplace where people would be singing and put it in, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but when I think about it, I feel like they're just randomly bursting into song in the middle of the story. I mean, right. like when they put it as part of the story. Yeah. I just feel like it's a musical. Like they're randomly bursting into song. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's true. Maybe we should talk about this when we do the podcast. So we should oh, stop now. You're no fun. <laughs> <laughs> Not that musicals aren't fun, also, but you know. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting! I just love this part. Fanfic, the final frontier. These are the ramblings of the PFW peons. Their continuing mission to explore strange new stories. Welcome to the swing and big band sounds of WPFW Radio. Here's a soon-to-be Christmas classic, Baby It's Cold Outside, by Jan and Scott. I really can't stand Baby, it's cold outside I've got to go away it's cold outside this evening has been, been hoping that you drop in. I'll hold your hands then just like us. Father will start to worry. And Father will be pacing the floor. Just listen to the fireplace So roll. really I'd better scurry. Well, maybe just a half a drink more. Put some records on my lap more. Neighbors might see. Maybe it's bad out there. Hey! What's in this no dream? to be had out there. I wish I knew your eyes are like starlight now. I'll take your hands and your hair looks warm. I ought to say no, 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 sir. At least I'm gonna say that I tried. Now what's the sense of hurt, my friend? I really can't stay. Baby, don't hold out. All that is cold Baby, it's cold outside. The answer is Honey, no. it's cold outside. The welcome has been so nice and warm. Look out that window at Sister will be suspicious. Gosh, Brother will be there at the we door. Show. My maintenance mind is vicious. Well, maybe just a cigarette more. Such a blazing before. Got to get Baby, you freeze out there. Say, lend me it's your It's up heart. to your knees out there. You've really been great. But hand. don't you see? How can you do this 
Welcome to Peoncast, everyone. I'm Scott. I'm Sue. I'm Trisha, known as Miss Lupin. I'm Abby, also known as Lady Rhea on the forums. And tonight, we are going to be covering a short fiction by Keza, since you've just been listening to a long fiction by her. This one is known as Tradition on Sink Into Your Eyes, and it's also filed in the PFW library, just under the name Baby It's Cold Outside, because this is sort of a song fic to that song. Yeah, it was not uh, a traditional song fic. No, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> it was You're not so fond of the song fics. It's just some song fics are just way too much. Abby was saying before, I'm ready for a musical. Yeah, have any of you have ever seen Glee, the show? Mm-hmm. Okay, you know how they have specific times, like they have numbers, and there are only like two songs where they randomly in the middle of the hallway burst into song. Like, mm-hmm. that's how I feel. It's like they're just walking down the hallway and they randomly burst into song. Yes, this means you're sorry. You're standing at my door. Guess this means you take back all you said before. Oh, I have an idea. We should sing this whole podcast. No. <laughs> no. Maybe not. Oh, why not? I don't know what our points are going to be. I see Scott just sing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I second the motion. Yeah. Probably not. Kezer wrote this as a fit challenge. I believe the challenge was actually called Baby It's Cold Outside, although I'm not mm-hmm. positive about that. And one of the things that she says is that she hates traditional song fix. She doesn't like them when they just randomly burst into song. So she did this kind of tongue-in-cheek and did it in such a way that while you do hear parts of the song and there might be lines from the song, it's done as dialogue and not as somebody just stopping and randomly bursting into song. And I love- Yeah, or it's not like playing in the background. That's what I hear a lot of. Like song fix is like it's in the background. It's kind of like little innuendos yeah. or something like that. Yeah, you know, it's not like a break in between the story where you just insert the lyrics in. It's actually part of the story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It makes more sense where they're out at some occasion and the band happens to be singing a song. And so they every once in a while will have whatever the band happens to be singing. But it makes more sense within the story that way. It's not like yeah. Jenny going up to Harry when he has a really bad girlfriend going, hey, hey, you, you, I want to be your girlfriend kind of thing. Right. <laughs> that, that was, but it was horrible. Sorry, whoever wrote that. Yes, well. Okay. On the other now. hand, <laughs> yeah. one thing that might have been helpful with this one 
I guess the assumption is most people will know this song already, Mm -hmm. but I know I didn't actually know the song until Jen brought it up as a possibility for us to sing. I had to go and look it up and figure out what song this was. So it might have been helpful to actually have the full text of the song somewhere, whether it was at the beginning or the end or something like that. But I guess since it's a Christmas carol, she sort of figures most of the people will know. And the people who are looking at the challenge itself will know because the text of the song, I think, is in the challenge. But that's something that could have been different. One of the reasons why you might not know the song is because you're a young pup, Eric. I suppose. It's an old song. Mm -hmm. The premise that Keza uses to start this fic is that Ron and Hermione are getting married, and she wanted a winter wedding. He doesn't want to wait that long. So what they decided to do is have it in Australia. So they're having a summer wedding, but it's winter. Right. Yeah. Very, very clever, Ron. I have to say. That was very good thinking on Ron's part, okay? Mm -hmm. When a man is motivated, (laughs) he can do anything. I agree. Yes. I like that Harry has no idea about this, and they're in getting their robe fitting. And Harry all of a sudden realizes that he's in fur-lined robes, but uh, not real fur, because, you know, Hermione would not want real fur. Don't kill the animals. Faw fur. Yeah. And so Harry's like, why do we have fur-lined? Aren't we going to roast? And Ron's like, no, we're going to freeze. And finally, he says, did you read the invitation? Do you know that we're going to Australia? He's like, no, I think I missed that memo. I love the, the Australian snowfields. Yeah, way to go, Kessa. I wish I had pictures. You want pictures? Yeah, I want pictures. What does the snowfields look like? Is it, is it a real place? I'm yeah. sure it probably is. There are snowy areas of Australia, up sort of in the mountainous areas. There's yeah. a lot of snow. I want a picture of the robes with fur. I'm really curious to see how they look like with fur. Yeah. Those I don't think you can just find on the internet, but no. I'm sure there are pictures of the snowfield somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking them up right now. Here. There you go. It's on top of it. Someone could do a nice art fic. A nice art fic? Uh, yeah. Crossing yeah, fan like, art you know. the fur ropes. Yeah, fan art of it. That's a challenge for someone. Okay. Yeah. I want the wedding Any of our party. listeners are feeling artistically inspired? Yeah, no, it's not going to happen I'm sure you to me. get some points. That's true. We'll give out points here. See? Yes, this was very clever of Keza. It's a way for her to write about Australia, which she is familiar with being, you know, Australian, but <laughs> also fit it in nicely with no. the Harry Potter cat. Right. It makes so, sense. Hermione's parents are there. And do we know what happened? Know. I think they went back and got them at some point in time. Yeah. But it doesn't say that they got them or they came back. They could have just stayed there. It doesn't really ever say. Yeah, I've read fix where they gained their memories, but where they just love Australia so much, they decided to stay there. It's a nice place. I can see that. So they've gone to Australia, and they're all in different chalets. And Harry's grumbling because he's tripping over suitcases and cat baskets as they operate in. And George is just bubbling George. over with joy. Isn't this grand? And Ginny's like, just peachy, which is actually <laughs> the word I use at work lately when people ask how I'm doing. I'm like, just peachy. <laughs> so I kind of know how she's feeling there. And they get ready and... Ginny's grumbling about why he couldn't just get married at home. and uh, Like everybody else. 
Yeah, George says Hermione, yeah. and Harry brings up the fact that he also can't wait because they haven't actually consummated their relationship this whole time. Mostly because they, of Molly, but also because they just decided to wait. And Hermione decided to wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why Ron wanted to rush things and decided on the snowfields because he didn't want to wait till next winter. That was too long to wait. And apparently, because of this, everyone else has been separated as well. Yeah. Everyone from their wives decided they should. Everybody is segregated. Yep. Yes. It's like a junior high dance. <laughs> Boys on one side, girls on the other. Boys in one chalet, girls in the other. Because they're adhering to the tradition of the groom not seeing the bride. But Molly's taken it a step further and decided that they should all have bonding time. So the girls are bonding and the guys are supposed to be bonding. And Harry's like not wanting to bond. He'd rather hang out with Ginny. And my take on this is that... Did everybody else get that? Or am I I didn't off? get it until the end. Yeah, me neither. I thought maybe... Ingrid... I thought it made it even funnier when I figured that out. Yes. It made it funnier. It was... So I Great. think it was meant to be a surprise. Good job for ruining the surprise, Sue. Oh, oh I'm sorry. We'll edit that out. Uh, Keza just sent me a note. Oh, I just remembered. I said this in Australia because everyone said how it had to be at a certain time of the year. And I was all like, nah, I'm setting mine in June. So the only reason it's there was so that she could be a smart ass. Uh-huh. She was trying to confuse go. everyone. And, yeah, and that's a direct yeah, a, quote. It does have to be cold outside. That's true. That being yeah, a whole point. Christmas is not cold. No, no, it's not. I like that, is it George? One of them says that he's freezing his buns off. We're freezing our bums off here, and he gets reprimanded for saying that word. Uh-huh. It's going to be the longest rehearsal some ever. interesting standards. Yeah. <laughs> Because I was going to say, Bums is not, with the, all the other conversation that's going on, Bums is not the one that I would call out. But mm -hmm. that may be just me. Yes. And they're all sort of getting in trouble. And Harry is just standing there grinning until she turns on him and says, go write your speech. Because he's the best man, of course. Yes. And he hasn't written in his speech. No. Being Harry, Harry waits for everything. And he's just hoping maybe Hermione will just write it for him. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be wrong. Yeah. That's true. But Harry kind of does it, too. Yeah, I wonder true. if Ron and Hermione wrote their own vows. That would be interesting. I don't know. I don't think it says in here. Yeah. No, Hermione's vows used to be three scrolls long. <laughs> I to say, Hermione's would have all these really big words, and Ron's would have all these really small words. <laughs> or I'd be like, uh-huh. Can you define that for me? <laughs> yeah, that would kind of interrupt the ceremony a little. Just a little. So Molly sent Harry off to his room to write the speech. And Harry's like, uh, but I don't even know where our room is. No one showed us to our room yet. And George kind of sobers and he's like, yeah, um, about that. There's this mention. one little thing. And that's, and that's when he discovers they're in completely separate chalets. Right. In this final, I guess you could say chapter, well, next to the last chapter, where the song really comes in. It's not a song fic, whereas the whole entire fic is the song. It's little, I like it. Yeah, the last third know. or so of the story. Where she really just combines the lyrics, usually with what's being said. Ginny gets to say the first line straight off. She says, I really can't stay, which is, of course, the first line of the song. Mm -hmm. But not everything that they say is exactly what was from the song. 
Right. No, but it's all the innuendos and stuff like that. Like, the funny thing is, he goes, let's have some hot chocolate and put on some music. And I just have to laugh. When the only song that comes on is, there was dancing, singing, moving to the groove, and I just start laughing. <laughs> it's, it's just like you can just do that. That's another one. I don't know if I actually know the song. I'll have to find it. Uh, I'm sure you've heard in a movie or somewhere. Oh, probably. Yeah. Be nice. And Ginny's uh, scrambling <laughs> to... You know, I'm going to bring this right back around to you, Tricia. And Ginny okay. hasn't checked the volume. So she turns it on and it starts blaring, much like your headphones after your son's been playing with them. So she's trying to turn it down, but this is an unfamiliar radio for her, so she can't find the volume, can't get it turned down. And in the meantime, Harry's just laughing to himself and thinking, ah, well, that'll give the neighboring chalet something to talk about. Because they're in a muggle place, right? It's not yes. a Westerning chalet. Yeah, so this is kind of where we figure out that it's a muggle chalet area. And Jenny takes a sip of her drink and she's like, Ooh, what is this? And Harry shrugs. He goes, It's like a little piece of heaven. So he's spiking her drink. <laughs> uh, I think it's just really good hot chocolate. Yeah, and actually, she's I don't the think one he that, needs to buy her drink. No, and she's the one that says it's like a piece of heaven, and he's just like, I just found this. The Muggles have weird tastes, so I'm thinking it's probably like flavored hot chocolate. You know, like this yeah. swish. The what is it? Um, something will miss. Swiss Miss. Swiss Miss. Swiss Miss. No. They're special. I think you put a little bit of peppermint schnapps in there. Mm-hmm. I saw. Oh uh, well, you know that might be good. We should ask Kessel what kind of chocolate they have down there. Yeah, we should. I'll send her a note in just a minute. But I like that she says, are you sure you didn't put a spell on me, Mr. Potter? And he says, why? Don't you want to leave anymore? And she said, it's probably just the same spell you've had on me since I was 10. Oh, just that's cute. Sigh. Okay, I don't understand why Jeannie's wearing a hat, though. It's supposed to be a winner. That's why she's wearing a hat. It's like a stocking cap. Probably Mrs. Weasley knitted her one time. Well, you know, she's getting ready to leave. So she's got her stocking cap on and all of that. And he's... Her coat. Well, yeah, but does she have the coat? Because... It doesn't say. Because she asked him for his coat so she can take a piece of him with her. But I don't know if she had a coat or not. Hi, Scott from the future here. We had a little bit more discussion about this fic later on. If you listen closely in the next few weeks, you may be able to figure out what we were actually podcasting on at the time, but I thought I'd slide them in here. So I went back and listened to Baby It's Cold Outside. Oh, yeah? Hmm? There is so much more of that in the story that we missed. If you go back and listen to it, you're like, oh, that's in there. Oh, yeah, that's in there. Yeah, I noticed a lot of those because I have it in my head since we sang it. And that's why the jacket thing's in there, because that's one of the lines in the song, that she's going to take his jacket. Oh. Yeah, but we're wondering why she's taking this jacket. Did she forget his jacket? I know, but it was just really fun. So I do think we have to put it in the... Scott? Did he... Uh, yeah, we lost him again. Okay, so I'm going to backtrack us a bit here. Um, it's called Milo, and it tastes different from regular hot chocolate or cocoa. Okay. okay. I don't know what Milo is, but there you go. Good to know. I still like um, my peppermint shops idea in it. That's, that's just me. <laughs> 
This is Sue from the future, and I have since found out what Milo is. I have friends that went to Australia, and I asked them very nicely, and they brought me back a whole container of Milo chocolate mix. And I have to say, it is as wonderful as Keza wrote in this fic. You can have it hot or cold, and it has a malted flavor to it. And that is just absolutely wonderful. So just wanted to chime in here as Sue from the future and say that I agree with Keza and Ginny, I guess. Milo is the best hot chocolate ever. Little funky music, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Little funky music, now. now you know the song? It took me a while to figure out the whole thing. And I oh, was dancing that. and singing and moving to the groove and Something oh, get done. I do know the chorus of that the song, but I don't know any of the funky music, This is such the wrong song. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sorry, that's just the best song to put in there. So where are we? We're all robots for a long period of time. So uh, does that mean you didn't get to hear the song that they were singing? No, I got that part. I just didn't get anything before that. Oh well, we stopped for a minute because we were adding Keza to the chat. Yes. Oh, okay. So Ginny asked if he had put a spell on her and then decided it was just the same spell that she'd been under since she was 10. And that's when Harry reaches and pulls off the hat. That's kind of where we were. We were trying to decide about the hat. So I think that she's getting ready to go. So she's got the hat on to get ready to go. And he's taking it off, trying to keep her to stay. Keep her to stay? That didn't mm-hmm. work, right? Oh, yeah. He's trying to keep her to stay. <laughs> He's trying to keep her there, or he's trying to get her to stay. There we go. Thank you. (laughs) It was a day. What can I say? And Ginny just goes, I really shouldn't fall for your charm. There's nothing more dangerous than a boy with charm. Charm and hot chocolate. That's a deadly combination. (laughs) Any boy giving me chocolate, that's a... (laughs) (laughs) But Harry's not a boy anymore. And she knows it. I like a lot of the lines in this. She does really well writing the interaction between them. It seems Mm -hmm. quite natural. Yes. And, you know, it has just the right amount of humor and sweetness and romanticism, I guess. I mean, it's not cheesy, but... It's a little corny to a certain extent, but it's cute. I don't know. Everybody likes a little bit of corniness. and I mean, especially when you're being romanced a little bit. You need a little bit of corniness to it. Yeah, I mean, the song itself is, so there's not too oh, much yeah. to do. <laughs> but it's not over-the-top corniness. No. And she's having fun with it. I mean, she actually says in the author's notes at the very beginning, this amuses me. I hope it amuses you. So she did this very tongue-in-cheek, you can tell. And that's part of the banter. Even though she's really incorporated the song, she's done it in such a way that mm-hmm. it's making it just really fun. It really does it'll, it'll kind seem of like work. Singing it. Because uh, yeah. one of the lines is, my maiden aunt's mind is vicious. And there, Ginny actually has Aunt Muriel, who really fits. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and well, well, Percy, Percy will say something. Mm-hmm. Aunt Muriel. Yeah. I ought to say no, she says, looking into Harry's eyes as he took the mug from her, suddenly nervous fingers. I I tried. And he's like, really? You didn't try very hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With a twinkle. Fun. And she's... Twinkle of mischief. 
And he's trying to convince her to stay by saying that it's cold outside and, you know, it's probably storming out there by now. You might get lost in a snowdrift and then what would happen? Where would I be? She felt like she could just pull her wand out and, like, blast hot air and make herself a path. No, that's just ridiculous. Because they're in a muggle chalet. Yeah. You're not going to be, you know, using obvious magic in the middle of the mountains where the muggles could see, because there are a bunch of chalets around, I would imagine. Probably. It's probably like a a resort with a lot of cabins. That's Mm -hmm. what I picture it like. Yeah. Yeah, and it's probably a couple of stories, and there's a bunch of different rooms, and so they're all kind of scattered through. Because we know that George, a little bit further on, George kind of butts in. He's eavesdropping on the stairs. Well, just think about it. It has to fit all the Weasley children and Harry and Arthur. Mm -hmm. It must be at least two or three stories high Mm -hmm. with a lot of rooms, so... Yeah. Must have bunking together. And they're not all there the entire time, so obviously they're not staying in precisely the same place. Mm-hmm. Even though two of them are spying on him. You know, that's weird. So, I mean, it's just so cute. You could just see it. It's because I have to go, she whispered presently. Sorry, you'll have to deal with a blanket. Then a snicker from the stairs. Oh, that's a low blow called George. You've wounded his pride now. Hit his ego for six. Hit him, Jenny, one more time, said Charlie. It's entertaining. Hit me, baby, one more time. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Harry at the end. I was so close. You ruined it. <laughs> it's just so hilarious. <laughs> and oh, so the it's the wedding day now. Mm-hmm. And Ron's rumbling going, can't believe Mum made us stick to the silly tradition. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen Hermione all day. Why can't I see her until the wedding? Mm-hmm. Harry says, yeah, well, none of us have seen any of the girls for last weekend, so. <laughs> yeah, what are you complaining about? He goes, even the married blokes, didn't you see Bill pacing around the chalet? He's completely on edge. He wants Fleur so bad now that it's little. It'll be like they're having their wedding night. All over again. Ron you know Ron's scandalized. Harry! Don't talk to me And your mother had a great idea about bonding. And he talks about how the girls were doing their nails, and that was their bonding experience, which is not that uncommon when a wedding is coming up. But hair done, yeah. He's and looking for his Harry socks. Has one last source of frustration: he can't find his black socks to go with the suit. I'm not sure why he only has one pair, but you know, he, he can't find them. And Ron has found his, and he's asking Ron, "Why is it that you can find them?" And because Ron packed them himself. Mm-hmm. Instead of and having apparently organized them. Mm-hmm. And therefore, he doesn't know what anything is, apparently. <laughs> so he can't find his socks. And that's when we find yeah. out that Harry and Ginny are married. Yay! Presumably, it's, it's Harry yes. has a wife. <laughs> yes, it doesn't <laughs> say it's actually Harry, <laughs> too. But, you know, we're going on that. I'm pretty sure it's but yeah, okay, I like the story. It's fun. That's what makes it funny. Is this you're like, oh, he's married. Okay. 
Through most of the story, you expect them to be maybe they're engaged as well, and they are waiting longer, or just they still haven't got around to that part or whatever. Mm-hmm. But and there it is in the last line. They just they're just so playful. I think that's what got me to think maybe they were still engaged. They're just so playful when they're they could have just um, when he's trying to convince her today. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or we don't really know how long crazy. it's been. A little while, I guess. And you were saying it was more obvious to you, Sue? Or? I don't know if it's because I've read it a couple of times before and I just wasn't thinking about it. But when I listened to it today for the podcast tonight, I knew. So I think that it was just something that I picked up from it. Although I'm reading some of the reviews for it. And the first two are like, like the twist at the end, all very funny. I didn't see that coming at the end. So maybe it was just that I've read it before and that's why I saw it coming. I've read this before, but it's been so long and I've read too many fanfics down that I can't remember. But I did listen to it today and it's hard to listen on a reader, I think. Only because there are like little stopping points. Oh, we lost Trisha. Oh my god. <laughs> do you, you want to. I pulled a Scott. <laughs> Would you like to repeat that you. again? You know, I rambled on for a long time and I'm thinking to myself, why isn't anybody saying anything? <laughs> mm-hmm. This happens. Oh my god. I've gotten more experienced at recognizing it though. It Can you really tell? When you have a reader reading it to you, it's hard. I had to go back a couple of times because at first I didn't realize the, the scene changed and oh, I wasn't yeah. expecting it. And I'm just like, wait a minute, what happened here? So yours doesn't read out star, 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 or whatever? No, it doesn't read stars. But if it has X, it'll read X, 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 But stars, it does not. Or O, 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 O. Yeah. That drives me nuts. That drives me even crazier. Wouldn't it just say No, it reads it as O, 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 O. It's really funny. Interesting. We're way off course. So I like this one. George is truly evil, and he barely missed a beat without Fred flying wing. Traditions are wonderful, but Ron and Hermione are stretching matters a bit. Ron's resolution was good, but I would have still wanted the whole thing at the burrow. Harry's scene with Ginny was classic. You drew us into the situation, made us feel for poor Harry, and then twisted the knife George had produced. I really enjoyed it. You're reading some of the reviews? I'm reading the reviews, yeah. Okay. I really liked it, and I'm really excited about reading Rebuilding Life, because at this point, this is the first thing of Kesa that I've read, mm-hmm. and now that I've read this, I'm really excited about Rebuilding Life. Mm-hmm. It's great fun. If you enjoyed this, Kesa just finished another one. It was also a challenge. It was a pregnancy challenge, and Kesa was just like, people are going to just butcher this. <laughs> so she wrote a little four-chapter fic. Yes. This seems to be a theme of hers. She doesn't like the challenges on Sink Into Your Eyes, but she picks them up anyway just to see if anyone can actually make them good. Right. And she usually manages it. <laughs> yeah, this one's really cute. So it's a little four-chapter one to just kind of sink your teeth into. I remember reading Rebuilding Life, but oh my god, it's been so long since I've read that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to bring that up when you were talking about going back to pick up Hermione's parents, because that's one of the major plot points for Rebuilding Life, is that they mm-hmm. go to Australia for a number of weeks and have a vacation oh, and pick up Hermione's parents. I don't parents. think I ever finished the story. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to finish it. Because <laughs> it's going to be the last thing that Potter Fick Weekly yeah, podcast on. 
Well, shall we finish this out? Does anybody have anything else besides we really liked it and it was cool the way that she actually was able to incorporate the, the lyrics into the dialogue with just a little bit Where of... Where it wasn't a traditional... Yeah, I liked it because it wasn't a traditional song thing, except for play the funky music, my mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to find that and stick that in somewhere. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> Over top of Trisha singing. Um, Actually, it's kind of fun. I like Trisha singing, but you know. (laughs) I like that she wanted Scott to sing and she was the one that sang through the whole thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I did. There you go. (laughs) Sorry, Scott. (laughs) Your thunder. That's perfectly all right. (laughs) Okay, Scott, what did you think of the fic? I liked it. Yeah, it was fun. I think she did really well with all the relationship bits. She writes them convincingly. I have no real idea how that would go necessarily, but it seems like it would work. So, And the Weasleys are fun. They just are. Mm-hmm. I like that George and Charlie are the ones who are spying on them. It seems to make sense. They are. Yeah, I wonder how long they were pacing. there for. <laughs> yes. I can just picture like their heads popping from the top of the staircase. Yeah. For some <laughs> reason. Yes. You can kind of see that if they had waited a little bit longer, you know, they just kind of see them sneaking lower and lower down the stairs, and pretty soon they just fall down the stairs and end up at the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> oh, hi! We were just, mm-hmm. you know... Um, um, we, we needed a glass of uh, cocoa. Yeah, cocoa. <laughs> smelled so good yeah. down here. I think maybe she must have, I don't know if she came over without a coat, or maybe she just left it farther into the room and because she's sort of been working her way around towards the door, that's why she steals his coat. That makes sense. I don't know. Maybe it's because just, she wants to be a girl and she just wants it's to on steal a closer his coat. Hook or something. So she can smell him. Well, doesn't it say she <laughs> snuck out to see him? So maybe she was in a hurry. Or yeah, could be. Didn't want to carry that much with her. Well, she had mm-hmm. her or maybe she just put a warming charm on herself for going out. And now she just Could wants be. to steal the pieces of him. <sighs> yeah. The most romantic I am. <laughs> <laughs> so you like it? Yep. It's unanimous. One of the first fix that I read from Keza. I think I was going through different things and I might have read a little bit of Rebuilding Life, but I hadn't read much and I was trying to find stories from the different authors that were on the forum and I found this and I remember liking it a lot and just kind of giggling my way through it just because it was really fun. And that knowing the song, not knowing all of the lyrics so much, but being aware of the song and just thinking that it just flowed really well and not having a clue what a song fic was, I went in with no expectations. So it wasn't until well, later that I found out kind of how bad song fix can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Congratulations, Keza. It was a very good story. We all liked it. Yeah. I think we've sort of gone over everything there is to go over. So... We'll wrap up for now and see you all next week. Who knows what we'll be covering, but you can come back and find out. There you go. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. See you on the flip side. I really can't stand. It's cold outside. I've got to go. It's cold outside.